Before we kick this show off, let's hear a word from our sponsors. Under Pressure Outdoors is brought to you in part by Hasmore Outdoor Products. Hasmore Outdoor Products manufactures quality replacement seats for a multitude of climber brands as well as a host of other products built with the hunter in mind. Take it from us. Your butt will thank you and you'll be able to spend more hours in your stand. Hop over to their website by clicking on the link in the podcast description and order the tree stand trick out kit for your stand today and you'll have everything you need to hunt longer and harder. Make sure you use code UPO15 at checkout to get 15% off your next order. I'm your host, Will Krebs, and this is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. The rest of them are natties. Good, I didn't want one. Can I have a natty? Yeah. <laughs> natty. That's how you hydrate. Yeah. When we started, we posted every day for like, gosh, months. And then now if we make one post, we're 40 orders deep and we just can't get out of it. It's like right now we have a little over across all the platforms we sell on a little (coughs) over 100 and we just cannot keep up. And we build... This is the first time I've been out of the house in like nine months. Like, aside <laughs> from going God. on a hunt he's with Hunter, not really kidding. Yeah, you got insane. happy problems, man. See, he's got yeah. long yeah. sleeves. On. He's got long sleeves on. Yeah, he took those off. They look like Jordan's shirt. Yeah, it's to protect you guys' <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like a piece of white bread. How, how many saddles a year are you guys building? Uh, we just launched our first saddles, so I guess like it kind of you get. Are we live or do you? Oh, we've, we've been recording. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, I guess it started, man, like thanks a little bit before Thanksgiving last year. Um, I was a broke college kid, wanted to get into saddle hunting. And like my whole life, and same with Wyatt, we've just built really whatever we wanted to do. And then um, I sewed myself a saddle. That is long retired. <laughs> that, that one is should have been retired shortly after you built it. Yeah, yeah. It, it shouldn't have been. It shouldn't have been in use at all. But um, so that one, and then Wyatt wanted one, and then I had a couple other buddies that wanted one. And oh, then, he made me use that fucking thing. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. did not want it. He yeah. goes, "You have to use it," and I did. And I, then I uh, fell out of it, but I used it. And then I started doing custom ones just on like Facebook Marketplace, but that was such a good process without like having the materials in stock. I was basically doing custom order only, so I'd order in the materials once I got the order, right? Build it, sell them, and then I realized I was like, uh, I can't really do this. But then I started adding Amsteel to the saddles, so then I was like, oh, I can make a little bit of side money doing that, and basically from the day we posted for the first time that went into like a full-time business immediately. And then he was helping as much as he could mainly because he was still playing basketball at Florida state. And then as his season was wrapping up, that's when I knew, okay, he's going to start doing this with me at least like full-time in terms of like, this is all we got to do. Like this is all we 
have to do right now. Like, let's just go ahead and do it. And uh, that's where he brought in like the camera work and all the videoing. And that's when things really started to um, kick off. And then he built, he basically built the entire website. Like I wrote the descriptions for the products and stuff. Cause I had pre-built those before he got there. But then it was like, I'm trying to learn the camera work and how to do that, which I still have not. It's a whole different world to me. But um, he was doing that and learning how to build the products. So that was, in the beginning, I was frustrated with him. I'm like, dude, like, why can you not figure this out? And like, I, I didn't realize like I had four months ahead of him. Not only that, but we had 80 products already. <laughs> like, yeah. When I came on, he's like, all right, yeah. So we have this product. It has like 18 variations. So I was like, okay, all right. So, but and then for every product we have, basically our whole thing is like we want to make it so that you can get exactly what you need. Right. I mean, that's our that's our slogan. Everything you need. So that that's why like we have a lot of people that'll be like, it feels like every single thing is custom to them. Like, it, like I feel like I just bought a custom setup completely. When well, it is. I mean, it it basically <laughs> is. But like we're selling stand like you know standard items that you can customize to yourself. But the we built the website in what a calendar week, pretty yeah. much of like working like twenty hour days, pretty much like um, and obviously we've had to work on it a ton since then. But from going from basically nothing, like when I when I first came on, like I was obviously playing, and then when the season was over, I and I came on, he was he was on Etsy and eBay. Or you were on eBay. Eban Etsy. Yeah, Eban Etsy. And then I was like immediately like, all right, let's like just drill this thing home. Like let's take it to the next level. And he's like, Yeah, we gotta wait a second. Like we at that time, like what'd you have? Like two you had like two spools of Amsteel, like of that like each size. When you when you got there, that was You gotta have to tell us what Amsteel is. Well, hang on, before we get oh. any further, yeah. we get way far into this. Let me introduce everybody so you know who we're talking to. All right, All right. So I'm your host, Will Krebs. i got Jordan here with me tonight. I'm here. Let's get it. I've got Jim. Yes, sir. And we've got Hunter Rotarius, the Florida Outfitters, back with us again. Hey, hey. And we have Van. Hello. How's it and, going? And Wyatt. Hi. Of Hang Free Saddle Company. Yep. Hang you free co, hang free dot co, you know, hang, hang whatever free. you want to say. We'll put all that down in the podcast yeah. description so they guys they can find you at the very end when they're done listening. And they're like, man, I need to go buy a saddle made right here in the state of Florida. <laughs> <clears throat> they can come down there and just click on the link and find you guys. But we've got you guys here this week to talk about saddle hunting, building saddles, what it takes because it, the the saddle thing it's not <clears throat> as as much as people want to think it's new. It's not new. No, no, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, it's just now I think caught on in internet popularity. Mm-hmm. It's become a very popular thing to do, and rightfully so. I mean, I sat out there in the saddle in the backyard, and I was like, "Man, I don't." I, I, I've kind of, you know, like I told you guys earlier, I've stood on the ground and I've leaned into one. Mm-hmm. What's your? It's a whole different experience when you get up off the ground <laughs> in one of those things, and yeah. they're comfortable. Yeah, but it 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 not. I mean, I don't want to say that that is the end all be all to hunting deer. And I think some people kind of get into the cult following, which is good for you guys. And that is their end all be all. Yeah. But that is, if nothing else, a really good multifunctional tool in the tool bag of whitetail deer hunting. I think it's essentially my end all be all for public land. 
Yeah. 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 I would say so. And right. Why would I ever try to pack a climber anywhere ever again when I have a saddle? That's pretty much the point. Um, yeah. And we always tell people, like, we'll have people be like, okay, what should I buy? And we'll always tell people, like, buy what works for you. Find someone that has it, try it out. And then if it doesn't work, don't buy it. <laughs> like, yeah. like, we don't want you to buy one of our products if it doesn't work. Yeah. For you. Like, it, obviously, it works for us or it might work for somebody that we have tested. Like, we send our products out to a lot of people. They'll test them. They'll send, give us feedback and then we'll work on it. But if it doesn't work for you, please, like, don't buy it. If if you're a climber guy and you are a diehard climber guy and you sit in a saddle and you don't like it, don't buy a saddle. Stick with your climber. You're going to be much more comfortable. You're going to have a better time. But I'll tell you, like, you can – I used to trek out in, on public land. Like, I'm talking – deeper than anything you've ever seen and i used to carry a hang on at first and then a climber and even though it was a light climber it was nothing like a saddle like a saddle you forget you have it on especially ours like where you can zip it up and basically use it as like a it's pretty much a belt at that point so like you can walk just as far as you would with nothing on uh, obviously you got a pack i mean and i've filmed before i mean you know so you're adding weight there you got a bow and everything but you're not adding any extra weight with a tr- with a stand or anything like that so i would say otherwise you're still going to carry a pack pretty so even if you're trying to to pack a climber and your pack somewhere else yeah. goodness i mean you're well, we, cutting down a lot just by cutting out that stand that you're carrying well we almost like we sell just as many if not more um tree stand saddles so tree stand saddle uh was a design um we came up with originally just for me uh, we weren't planning on really selling it or like, even really uh, releasing it just because it's it's not like a full-size saddle so we were like what do we call it what do we do with it and it's basically a normal width for a saddle but it's only five to or i think it's a total of seven inches tall um, versus a full size, which is going to be anywhere between like 10 to 15 in that range. I'm sure there are some saddles that are, you know, outside of that. I mean, yeah, um, you can get some of them out there that look like a daggum hammock. Yeah. And the, the point of the tree stand saddle is it's basically you, you would wear or use your tether more at like torso to waist height. And it's just leaning. That's all it is. Because I have like, it's weird. I mean, we, we own a saddle hunting company, but I'm not good at uh, with, with heights like i'm really not so if i'm sitting in a lock-on stand <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> trust me he's not he's not lying no, like the, I'm, the, I'm not like scared of him to the point like i'll climb you know if there's like a lock-on um set of sticks i'll just climb it without like a lineman's belt like not saying you should do that but um it's when i'm standing there just on a tree stand like i'm visibly just moving like just vertigo like really bad so it was just giving me that pressure against the tree where I felt secure. It felt like I was attached to something, which I guess I was, but um, that's kind of the idea behind it. And we released it. It's probably our, it's probably one of our most most popular products. Uh, really, we have, we have a lot of people that use them, and they always have great feedback. So what you described sounds like it replaces oh. something like a hunter safety system, right? Where but I wear one whenever I go up in a climber because I'm old, and if I fall from 30 feet in the air, mm-hmm. I'm going to shoot myself on the way down. Yeah. Well, um, l- um, legally speaking, our our um, our tree stand saddle does not replace your uh, hunter safety harness, and should not be used. Uh, and should be used in conjunction with a safety har- uh, safety harness. Yeah, I hear you. It's just yeah. to put safety harness on it. Yeah. 
Man, basically, enough. you got to send 20 saddles um, overseas and have them beat the crap out of them unless you have a pretty significant testing facility. Which I think... Uh, uh, which we're... we're pretty much going to get into. Cool. But um, to do to like call it a, like you know, air quotes, safety harness, that's a whole different thing. You're adopting um, a lot of liability. Yeah, yeah pretty let much. Me, let, me, let me rephrase that. For the guys that are wandering up sticks... Sitting on them little bitty seats on an archery stand, you know, hang on, mm-hmm. and not wearing a safety harness. This is better. Much yes, they <clears throat> they just airlifted a guy. Um, there's a wildlife management area guy just fell off a tree stand last night. They searched for him for like two and a half hours. Had to airlift him out of the. Where the heck did you see that? <coughs> Facebook, Facebook, oh, man. Yeah, <laughs> Facebook. It happens every year. Yeah, I Probably. mean, but the, but the thing is, is like, not only did he fall, but they searched for him for like two hours after he fell before they found him, had to life light him out of there. It kind of cracked me up that Jim said that, because me and Hunter were talking last week when I was hunting with Hunter. I was like, so you were essentially just sitting in your hunter safety system. And he's like, nah. He's like, no, they're going to tell you you're not. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not the same thing. Insurance. No, I understand all that, but it's it, nonetheless... There are guys that just won't wear them because yeah, they're not comfortable. They're hot. I've got the little skinny, fancy version that doesn't get you all hot. Um, but nonetheless, it doesn't really do anything to keep you in the stand. It just will keep you from hitting rock bottom if you leave the stand unintentionally. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the point is not to leave the stand unintentionally. Correct. I think uh, you know with safety harnesses, you're going to have that that shock. Um, Oh, I can't remember Shock the name. absorber. Shock absorber, right? So yeah. the saddle doesn't have that. But if you're using the tree stand saddle or the vital saddle in the way you should be, you're not going to need it because you're always going to be tight to the tree. Yeah. So you're, Yeah, like when I slid off that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I did that at um, Huntstock in Massachusetts. We had another guy do it. And you're tight the whole time, so you're not subject to a potential four to four feet plus fall where that's where you would need the the um that strap shock that, like, absorber busts it straps when you yeah. exactly Just so breaks the reds yeah. yeah yeah so for us to go and be able to say oh it can be used as a safety harness where that's what a safety harness would do or is made to do is take a fall that's going to be farther than you know a foot tether, or two basically. foot exactly that's you know a whole different world so so going back to when you said earlier about standing on a platform right even with a safety harness on you said you had like that vertigo feel like where you weren't necessarily rock solid, right? When you're standing up, I 100% feel the exact same way. I've always just kind of dealt with it. Yeah. But you know, there's those shots. So I, um, I've recently got into these saddles. I love the saddle so far. I've hunted out of it six or seven times. Um, really don't see myself going back to a lock on anytime soon. Um, but for me, I just shot a deer out of my saddle uh, two weekends ago. And one thing that I noticed about the saddle is like when, like he said earlier, when you're standing on that platform, I kind of get that, like almost like, uh, like when you're on a boat, you know, like, like motion sickness, almost kind of thing, like where you feel like you're moving around when you, you draw back and that pin's floating, right? You're trying to get that thing to settle. You got buck fever, you got everything else going on. The last thing I need to worry about is falling out of the tree. (laughs) So, I started using the saddle. One thing I noticed is when you get to full draw and you really, you know, bury, I always take my right knee if I'm shooting to my, 
my strong side and my left, always bury my right knee into the tree. I have never been that rock solid shooting at a deer in my life. And I've shot a, not a lot, I've shot a handful of deer out of a lock on. And I've never, as soon as I let that arrow go, there was no question in my mind that I wasn't going to blow through both lungs and heart shoot that deer. Absolutely. So that, I think that's something that's kind of looked over with the saddles is like, you can get rock solid on that tree and almost use it like you're bracing your rifle. Like you can, you can brace your knee against that tree and you get so solid that it's so easy to settle the pin. Years ago, they used to build a lot of climbers that you faced the tree. And for a number of reasons, I guess, mechanically, they killed a lot of guys. I guess because you'd lean forward and it changed the mechanics on the tree. And now most of them face away. But one of the things that was nice about when you did sit in a climber that faced the tree is you could use the climber, especially if you're rifle shooting, you know, as a as a bench rest. Yep. So it sounds to me like what you're describing is because you're facing the tree with the saddle or you can face the tree that you're able to get many more points of contract to anchor yourself. Yeah. It's it's like you're using as an anchor point almost like not an anchor point on your face, like shooting your bow, but like in a point of contact, right? You have, when you're, when you're standing up and you're shooting, you only have two points of contact, right? You're, you're shooting two points of contact. You got both your feet on the ground, but everything else is off. When you're shooting out of the saddle, you have, your feet on the platform, that's your two points of contact. And you can, if you want to, you can put both your knees on the tree. You got four points of contact to make you rock solid. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I almost feel like even if you're hunting with a rifle out of a saddle, you could put your hand on your bridge and and rest your gun, like gun across your hand on your bridge. I've already thought about it. I'm actually working on, uh, not working on, I know exactly what we're going to do. We just literally don't have time to, to make it, take pictures of it write a description for it and post it but it's basically going to be like a um a sling for yeah. a rifle so if you were to be in like a sitting position knees into the tree which i think a good portion of the guys at saddle hunt kind of are doing while um while they're just sitting there waiting for a deer you're able to put a um a rifle into that sling and it would be like one hand adjustable so if you need to go up you just with one hand so the rifle's still in there you're still looking through the scope you can go up with one hand you can go down with one hand so it'll make the rifle hunting, which has appeared to me become, uh, or it, which has become more popular recently, where guys are saying, "Hey, can we get like something for rifle hunting in a tree?" Or, "Hey, can we do this and that with for basically rifle hunting out of a saddle?" So yeah, I think it's right now, especially saddle hunting is such a kind of like a um, with the gear that's out now, it's a new thing in a way. Yeah. Like everyone's coming out with new products, lighter, uh, different. Like there's just companies coming out with so much stuff that although saddle hunting has been around for a long time, I feel like it's still very, very new. They're perfecting the industry. <clears throat> so exactly. I, I'll say, yeah. it, 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 and don't take this the wrong way because <clears throat> I, I, I say that saddle hunting is the 6'5 Creedmoor of the bow hunting world. Right. I shoot a 6'5 Creedmoor. I love that rifle. I don't care what you say. It puts deer in the dirt, right? But it's very new. It's pretty gaining a lot of popularity. And people dislike it because it's popular. They don't know how to use it properly. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, that's, this, this is my climber, blah, 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 my lock-on, blah, blah, blah. Well, the whole thing, it, it boils down to the fact that, like Jordan said, you, you just don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it, 
if I was hunting a small private land area and it was all pines, I'd probably just put a couple hang-ons or uh, use a climber. Right. If oh, yeah, that's dude. what you're doing. Our stands in Georgia, are they're sweets. Yeah. You spend all day up there. Yeah. Only thing short, we just don't have a refrigerator. There you go. I, that's what I do. If I did, yeah, if I could leave it and, yeah. you know, have a, a very low risk of it being stolen. Yeah. I mean, I hunted at public land for exclusively for like seven years. And I hunted out of a climber, but I carried a bike lock in the bag on my climber so that I didn't have to carry that bike lock that sucker to the tree. Yeah. You know, and the then, top and the bottom together and strap it around the tree. Because I'm like, well, if I don't do that, somebody might steal it. Yeah. And then you're kind of like locked to that lock on, you know, yeah. like you're locked yeah. to that tree. Yeah. You're not, you, it takes so much willpower <laughs> to go out of the woods, walk back to the woods, climb up the lock on, get it down, carry it to a new tree, put it up and yeah. then hunt. Like I maybe lasted two or three weeks on public land with a lock on before I said uh, something, something has to change. Yeah. My oh, dumbass. You, you... I, I was, I was trekking out there. Let me tell you, I was walking in swamps up hills all over the place with a freaking climber. And then he shows up, he gets a climb. I'm like, climber's the way to go. Definitely climber, 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 climber. He gets a climber. He wasn't j- joking. Two weeks in, he's like, I'm done with this. I got to figure something else out. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, he's telling me about saddle hunting. I'm like, saddle hunting. I was like, that's that's I, I think I told him I, t- I told him actually I told him it was a fad that's what I said yeah. I go it's a fad and you know what I said in I remember when Instagram came out my friend told me to get Instagram I said that's a fad yeah. and I was dead wrong <laughs> and I think I'm dead wrong about this one too <laughs> so I don't know man when I started hunting a tree stand was basically something that you reappropriated lumber reappropriated from a con- you know a construction site yeah. <laughs> yeah, like our wall and now it's you know then it went to cheap steel manufactured out of China. And then they had climbers, and now you got cloth seats and the and, and you know hanging saddles and. I think that was that was levitating. kind of the same thing for us when William was like, "Hey, we're doing a podcast." I'm like, "Bro, I don't really give two shits about podcasts." I was like, "I don't listen to them, whatever, right?" And then further we got into it. Now I catch myself like. I know like when certain podcasts drop and I'm like, I listen to ours and I listen to like all these other ones. I'm like, son of a gun. I drive around and I'm like, when's the last time I listened to music? No, never. (laughs) We we listen to podcasts like literally all day long. We're just sitting there building and just building, building, building. So we don't really talk that much because then you'll basically building is just, you look at the product, you figure out what it is. And then you go like, we have all of it typed out, you know, lists of, what the product is, what that variation takes, how much material it takes. And then if need be, like most products, we know exactly how to build, but some of them we don't get ordered that much or, or just bit precise. Like, so you go look at the material and then you try to remember that number, cut out the material, start like working with it. And if we're talking to each other, like you say one thing, you're going to screw something up. Yeah. I forget the number or I start building something that is just completely different (laughs) than what I'm supposed to be building. I've built so many aiders that are, are, don't exist. (laughs) We got a bucket full of aiders that, that don't exist. (laughs) Like it's just, you need an aider. Give me a call. I'll give it to you for free. Cause it's, it's like nine inches wide and only like, in fact, actually this morning I built an aider that was a, a nine inch step. Okay, so if you're wondering, if you're listening to this, go, go go get a ruler and put it on your table 
and measured nine inches high. And that is how tall I made a step. <laughs> that is nothing. Like literally, there's no point in having it. <laughs> so that that went to the bin, and I had to make it again. But and you were making, he was making three total, two of them perfect, one of them <laughs> four inches shorter than the other ones. <laughs> we got to talking, and, and like we, we have uh, just a bucket of scraps. But then we started. Now we include a um, keychain, like a custom little hang-free keychain oh, with a piece of it. string. Now everyone, uh, every other company is going to do it. So yeah. you're the marketing guy, right? Yeah, a little bit. We both do you, a pretty good amount. You've introduced the dwarf line. <laughs> right. How many? No. Hey, it's a youth line. Yeah, yeah. yeah. youth line. Youth, youth line. saddles. I think, there you go. I think that's a little... Like, hey, boy, step in that little step. Yeah. <laughs> the only saddle company to cater to little, cater to little people. Yeah. Well, I, I know Hoyt just came out with a new bow specifically made for kids. Um, so they're, they're hooking them like cigarette companies these Listen, days. Listen, Tide <laughs> we, we had the market with... <laughs> <laughs> Early and often. <laughs> Died we had the market with kids waiters, so those guys still owe me a turkey vest from last season. Tied we? Yeah. They sold it to me and never sent it. Oh. No way. Yeah. And Ooh. I asked them for it. They truthfully now that I remember I did that, they said, Well, we'll give you your money back. Just tell us where you want. And I forgot to follow up, so it's my fault now. <laughs> but that that was July. Just want to shout out Hoyt. I do shoot at Hoyt. I do love Hoyt. Okay, you're not the same as cigarette companies. Sponsor me. It's okay. We're actually looking, <laughs> looking for a bow sponsor. Remember to send UPO five. He's like, yeah. I mean, yeah. if you had to be a cigarette company, it'd be like Marble or something mm-hmm. like top. Something classy. Yeah. yeah. No, when we were getting our when we were getting our bows, he shoots a 33, 33 inch, yeah. 33 inch draw. Jesus. I shoot a 31. What? So at the time yeah. of getting them, <laughs> 33 inch draw. Yeah. Yeah. It looks like he's like. I'd have to start drawing as I climbed up the tree. (laughs) Well, the the problem bow selection was literally like four bows. Especially when we were buying our, like when I bought my bow, like I was, I went to the bow shop and I was like, what bow can I buy? Because okay, so the first bow I ever bought was a Amazon bow. For $140. Because I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. We got a buddy shooting that right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, sold it. I sold it to one of our buddies. But I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like it. You know, I'm just going to. And I'm a cheap son of a gun. So I bought this, you know, Amazon bow, literally. It didn't have a brand. So like you know like <laughs> I like literally I didn't have anything had a any markings on it says Amazon Acme. Basics yeah. on it yeah yeah it was like dude I'm telling you I'm not even kidding was so it purple it, 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 <laughs> I couldn't tell you but um but then I you know I was upgrading I actually shot a deer with it the guys at the bow shop were giving me hell and I was like um I was like oh you shoot a deer this season and and the guy the tech that I was working on I was like ah uh, no and I was like I shot I shot a deer with that one <laughs> and he never said anything to me ever again but uh, if you listen to this i'm sorry but um when we were going to get new bows i was like i was talking to the owner of the shop i was like what, what kind of bow can i get and he was like <sighs> he stood there for like 30 seconds he was thinking about it and he goes well uh that one <laughs> and it was a hoyt double xl and that was basically my only option that was not a you know a lower level i wanted a nicer bow like kind of upgrade and um get more serious about it and he was like that's pretty much the only option that goes out at 33 you guys might want to tell our listeners um why you have such a long draw oh, no and such a short... Cause they're like seven foot tall <laughs> yeah, i was gonna say van how tall are you i'm six five yeah i'm six eight yeah yeah they're sitting on the floor here in the studio so they can so they don't tower over the table literally <laughs> if you guys are wondering why it is one whole foot taller than i am 
12 inches. <laughs> Are you really? I am five foot eight. Holy cow. My draw length is 27 inches. <laughs> so You stand tall. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about long draw lengths here. I just want to point out, if you want to get another bow, go hit up Central Florida Archery. That's where we're, uh, yeah. yeah, that's where we we have a membership out there. Okay, uh, yeah. I was gonna say because we've uh, yeah Hendrix yeah. Hendrix jam up. We've we've done a few podcasts with Hendrix. Yeah, he Hendrix was actually a boy. Hendrix, yeah, Hendrix builds bows for like Shaq, dude. Dude, <laughs> Hendrix. I swear to God, last time I was there, he's like, yeah, I did a bow for Shaq, and I don't know. I was like, we walked what? up the first time <laughs> ever. We walked up, and before he took the bow out of our hands or anything, he goes. So you're shooting a 33 and you're shooting a 31. I he was knew like, it just from looking. Yeah, we'll get the membership. That's <laughs> why I told him I just took my bow up there not too long ago, and he literally I was like, was it two weeks ago we did a podcast with him? Yeah, yeah. And I was on the podcast. I was like, Hendrick, I I walked in your shop and you literally told me that I had a 29 inch draw length. Yeah, it's weird. It's really weird. And I was like, how would like you literally just looked at me and knew it. So See, you know he was special forces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, British yeah. They did a I podcast with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I asked him more than us. Last time we were leaving there, I was like, "Hey, so you were in like the special forces?" And he like just turned to me and he was like, "Yes." Yeah. And I was like, "So what was that like?" And then he just kept walking. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit!" All right. Yeah, he was he was British SAS. British, yeah, South African. You couldn't tell by the accent. I thought he was South African. He yeah. is, but that's. But, you know, Britain has all their little. His accent's like, confusing yeah. to me. Like yeah. I didn't know what was going on at first. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was he was SAS. Okay. Yeah. yeah so but, basically, we all went to him for for bow stuff because I went there too. He put yeah. my he put my sight on. Other than that, I think he said my bow was pretty much. Yeah. Like, it was. It had just been tuned, and then he put the sight on and got that yeah. really tuned in. Yeah, I had some minor stuff. So but it, I it, love that place. Like just in general, it's a very good like it's oh, a community. Yeah. Like you go out there on the weekend, and it's like people just hanging out. Now that being said, we literally bought our membership. Have been for back. maybe a week and then have not been back. We just yeah. have not. <laughs> just been too busy. Yeah. Well, we went to Huntstock and then ever since then we've never caught up again. I mean, but we. You, I mean, like later, like literally, like we went to Huntstock. We came back from there. Everyone at Huntstock that didn't buy anything. Shout out to uh, Massachusetts. All the people up there are fantastic. But I mean, literally, if you if they didn't buy something at Huntstock, they bought it on the website, and we were like, at that time, we were shipping same day. So we were like, yeah, we ship same day. You know, we were telling everybody, like, just, yeah, go on there. As soon as we get back, we'll ship it out. No no worries. When we get back, we got like 50 orders or more than that, like 60 something. And then, so we're booking it. And then after that, it, it, oh, and then we're dumbasses and we ran like three ads at the same time. And then it shot up even more from there. And we <laughs> literally, ever since then, we've been working like 18 to 20 hour days. Jeez. Like since that moment, we we've had what, like one day where it was like we were doing a, other stuff basically, and we had no choice. But pretty much from then, we've been working eighteen to twenty hour days, somewhere in between there. That's insane. That's fantastic. Hey, that yeah. that <clears throat> fires me up. Yeah, I, I told love Van, a success story. I told Van that as soon as because he, like he said earlier, he went came and hunted with me down here for the uh, it was the opener right Saturday morning. Yep, you're crazy. Yeah, that was when I had to go to Alabama. Yep. Yeah, he yeah, just lets two eight-pointers walk. I was drooling. Yeah. So you see what else me. he has on camera. Yeah, yeah. he's smacking yeah, me in the I arm like, hey, man, you're going to shoot that eight-point? I'm like, oh, man, he's two-year-old. I can't shoot him. It's, like, it's brown. It's Wait, down, are you bro. serious? I'm like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. He's 140 pounds. Can't do it. He's like, 
man, I really thought you were crazy. After we get back to the truck, he's like, I really, th- I, th- I seriously think you're nuts, but I guess we'll find out. <laughs> you can hear me in the clip. Um, I, like, I was filming. We still yeah. got to edit that video, but yeah. um, you can hear me in the clip going, hey, I got a perfect shot I'm right on now. Him. Like, I'm on him. I got, I'm a, on I got him. a good angle. Like, you could take the shot. Like, <laughs> trying to like nudge him towards taking the shot. Hey, you know what the best part was? I, my bow never left the hanger. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't hunt. I'd never hunt with you again. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he told me. I'd have took your bow and shot it. Yeah. So if you guys want to dive into all of uh, Hendrick's knowledge in archery, episode 87 titled Thwack was when we had a Hendrick on to talk about his archery expertise. I don't care. Turn this off and go listen to that. <laughs> and that then, uh, insane. Yeah. And then a couple of weeks ago, we had him on again, because I don't know if you guys know, but he's opened a biltong business. A what? Yeah, South like African beef jerky. South African jerky. It is 10 times better than beef jerky. That would, what, this is going to be episode uh, 142. Dry. So it's 140 would be Hendrick. Episode 140 is Hendrick. Uh, South African jerky, I think is what it's titled. Yep. The, yeah. the difference in bultong and jerky is bultong. 82 degrees. Is, yeah. It's dried as opposed to cooked. Yeah. 32 miles. What's it? 32 miles the, an hour at 82 degrees. It's, but it's blown over the, until it's dried out. It's got the fat on it. It's awesome. It's like eating a piece of steak. It literally tastes like taking a bite of steak. So Listen, what, you, I, what you're telling me is I could get in my truck, drive 32 miles an hour in a Florida summer, and make beef jerky. Just have no, you can shank make, right no, out you the can window, make baby. You can't, you can't do it in Florida. It's got to be dry. Dry. Arizona. Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, yeah. Arizona would work. All right. I'll keep that in mind next time I shoot a deer. But so before. got to do it for eight hours. Yeah. Well, hey, it's man, a lot of gas. Uh, Hang it off the I got an eco boost. Mirror, I'm yeah. all right. Man, I, I love going out there, though, and launching deep, like deep bombs from like 70, 80 yards. Like, I don't, I'm not even. I'm not by any means good enough to be shooting from 70 or 80 yards, <laughs> but I'll take my $25 arrow and just chuck it down range and lose them all. But hey, it's fun. So, so uh, great spot out there. Before we introduce you guys, we were kind of talking about how Hang Free Saddles got its start. So, why don't you guys tell us a little bit more about that? All right. So, kind of, do you want me to kind of like start back yeah. where we left off? What's yeah. the why? So, um, the why? Yeah. What's the why? How uh, did you start? I would honestly, well, initially started just because we wanted to get into it. Um, and we're broke. Yeah. And then the actual business, I, w- I honestly, and tell me if you disagree, but I would honestly say because of how competitive we are. Yeah. I think that it just turned into like, a, oh, okay, we're doing a little bit of sales, like just selling on eBay and Etsy. And then it was like, how big could we do this? And then now, like, I, we had a company, for example, give us a season assist um, for a product we had. And then... To me, it wasn't like a oh no, like we can't, we have to take down the product. It was like a I'm not going to sleep tonight because I'm going to figure out something else that I can do. And I ordered and, a frame for it. And the I don't season know, the to sell that. Nice. Yeah. But it's it's just uh, I think it's a lot of like the competitiveness. I think we're highly highly competitive. I mean, we we had a fist fight the other night. Like yeah. we're too big to be doing that. And I saw the movie. It's called Gargantuan. <laughs> Yeah, or Step Brothers. <laughs> yeah, Step Brothers. I think Step Brothers would be a better uh, comparison for for us. <laughs> Just yeah, and the fact that we uh, we basically work all day and we don't eat, so we get real angry. But um, <laughs> I, what it it was a combination of we started it because we were broke and we wanted to make products, and then he, it rolled into more and more and more and more and more. And then we're looking around, and we're going, all right, there's a huge gap in the industry. It's either Amazon dirt cheap made in China or 
it's so expensive you're spending your paycheck on it. And that there's there was very little in between. And there were no major companies that were doing it. So we're going, all right, well, we know what our margins are. We know what a fair price is for this item. Why not let other people buy it for a fair price? Why not let them get into the sport that we love and something that we love doing for a fair price and let everyone do it? Why cut out most of the hunters in America? Like what? It doesn't make it didn't make sense to us, especially when we started it because we couldn't afford it. Exactly. So right. it's like yeah. we don't want to be the guys that couldn't afford it. So we started making our own gear to then charge the same as everybody else. And I'm, I'm not going to name company names, but like what's really cool to me, especially, is to see that other companies that have been around for longer than us have adjusted their pricing. Now they've also adjusted the build style, which that's a whole nother um, kind of topic. They've adjusted their websites. Like we 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 don't. We don't worry as much about what people or other companies say or, you know, like we're not trying to model ourselves after anyone. We're just doing our own thing. But we do keep up to date on other companies and even what people are saying um, on social media or whatever it is. And like we'll notice that another company will change a little piece of their website or to like match ours. USA Mods have been around for years before we um, started like doing making them and making Amso products in general. And um, we were the first ones to ever put a tender on there. And you're not going to find a USA mod nowadays that doesn't have a tender on there. Now you're going to have to explain some of these, uh, this jargon. Yeah. So to kind of answer the question you asked earlier about Amsteel, Amsteel, I'll explain it in like the actual correct way to explain it. And then I'll explain it in terms that make sense. It's a SK 78 fiber which is made by Samson. Samson is the second or third largest. Technically, they're the second, but for stuff you can actually buy, they're the first. They're a huge rope manufacturing company and been around for hundreds of years. And basically, it's a synthetic winch line. So uh, the SK78 fiber or just Amsteel Blue, Amsteel Blue is technically what we use, is a, um, it's a probably polypropylene coated basically plastic and it's it's li- a strong ass rope yeah it's it's lighter <laughs> than um steel cable but it's stronger than steel cable so like a one-eighth diameter am steel blue is going to be much lighter it floats on water it's mildew resistant it's abrasion resistant but it's still going to be stronger than a one-eighth cable so it's just and there's no metal, so you can put it on sticks, stands, platforms, basically anything, and it's spliceable, meaning you can tie knots with it. You can no, so it. you don't want to tie knots. Actually, tying knots weakens it. Is going to reduce the uh, the um, MBS, the minimum break strength, up to basically seventy percent. So you could lose seventy percent of its strength by tying a knot. So when you splice it, basically there's strands in it. So the smaller diameter, 764, is the smallest we carry. It has eight strands that's braided together. And then all the other sizes are going to have 12. So you can taper it. Uh, I'm not even going to get into that. Yeah. It's literally it's just like... Yeah. He will literally sit here and, yeah. and put us to sleep. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, basically, you can... He sums it up really it back well. through itself. I would he, say it's literally just like yeah. a cable where you can split the end of it and then essentially splice another cable into it. 
Yeah. Via splitting all your strands apart. I think, exactly. Pretty I think much. Wyatt sums it up really well. Okay. Uh, when he said uh, it's a strong ass rope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, like again, like we, you know, we do want to say like what it is because if we're right, uh, we look. I mean, you're on Facebook. You know, there's plenty of people that'll talk about something that they have no idea about, and we're making things that people are entrusting with their lives. So yeah, absolutely, like we, we definitely do want to be technical, especially with splicing. And I'm not saying this to like scare people off from trying to splice their own gear, but make sure you do research, like genuinely, like. The, inches matter in berries yeah. like if you bury the long wrong length or if you taper the wrong length that can lower the um, break strength so there's numerous videos if you guys want to look at like amp steel stuff or um that dynamo which is just in a general term for um that type of material uh you can check out how not to on youtube they have nothing to do with <laughs> saddle hunting like literally nothing to do with saddle hunting they just do a lot of um rigging Break testing. They're actually a high line, which is a whole another section of stuff. Yeah, and so if so you guys, if you guys are like me, you just go ahead and go on over there to that website, hangfree.co, and buy you one. <laughs> yeah. You ain't gonna want to make it yeah. yourself. <laughs> I can. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that the rope I carry to pull my boat would be am steel, because that's the same stuff. My dad does pipeline work, and they have mm-hmm. what's called a pig, which is it, it's like a, a piece of equipment that cleans the pipe, but they use like this really tiny synthetic rope that's to, almost certainly to, what to pull the yeah to pull yeah. the pipe or to pull it out Zing once it, it gets to the it. end of the pipe yeah and it's just a thin blue rope but good and ass man yeah i've yet to break it so all this started because you mentioned that the product that you made had something attached to it that we didn't understand and when you started talking about amsteel which i now have a better understanding of what mm-hmm. that is but what was the item that you attached the tender, so Very tender. Yeah. So, are you you're familiar with what a Prusik is? Correct? Yes. Yeah. So, a Prusik's friction hitch stops you or lets you go up, but then doesn't let you fall. So, a Prusik tender is basically the what we call like the broke man um, version of a mechanical ascender. It's like a Kong duck, Ropeman one, uh, I guess Beal birdie. I'm not sure if many people use those anymore. Um, just various different um, ascenders, which you can by pulling the tag end allows you to shorten your length so it, it's a mechanic are you familiar with mechanical ascenders at all no man i'm not a i'm not really a gear guy i know what a prusik is because yeah. i was in, a, in scouts for a long time and i could tie hundreds of knots yeah so, so. instead of having to adjust it with a, a, your other hand it allows you to just pull the tag end or the free end of your tether or lineman's belt and it, it will adjust that um prusik for you so it'll shorten it but it still won't let you fall or it will lock out once it's shortened. So you can do that with one hand. You can um, hold on to a climbing stick and attach stuff um, it with it and pull the tag in. It basically makes anything with a Prusik one hand adjustable. Yeah, got it. Uh, and then obviously we have our HFAS, the Hang Free Attachment System. Uh, it's a um, proprietary item that we make for putting on sticks. It's basically uh, the USA, but upgraded. Um, and we're, we sell a ton of those. Um, we've had great feedback on those, but, uh, that's something Van actually designed himself. Um, and it was, it changed the game enough where we were like, all right, we gotta, cause most stuff like the, like the Prusik tender, we, there are, there are a few things out there that we've come up with. Um, actually I'm not even going to say we, I would say Van, that Van has come up with that other companies have started using almost immediately. And 
when he came up with the HFAS, it was like, all right, okay, this has changed the game, so we need to patent it. And we obviously we have a provisional right now, so we're patent pending. But um, like we need to make sure that nobody can take this because it is that special. It really does make it that easy. Like I, pers- if you can't tell, I'm not someone subject to change very much. I I like to once I find something that works, I stick with it. And when he was like, oh, I came up with this new thing, I want to do this, blah blah blah. I was like, yeah, whatever. And then I did it, and I was like, oh man, I, we gotta we gotta do something about this one because it makes it that much easier. So it's basically that if you're wondering what the HFAS is, it basically makes putting on a stick stand or platform about a billion times easier and quicker and quieter. So if you climb with sticks, um, if you have a, I mean, we even make a um, one fourth version for platforms. Um, stuff like that stand, uh, and stands, stands uh, so yeah stands mainly but um I, I think you use one for a platform right yeah one fourth yeah so like i mean it makes it so much faster and it's dead quiet you're not using a cam strap or a cam buckle or whatever it is uh, which can make a little bit more noise take a little bit longer i mean hunter you know right yeah like, well he would you didn't have the i still gotta get you the the actual hfas you have the main line and yeah the, uh, technically an old um yeah. model of what we had but Regardless, I'm telling you, I've, I've used this stuff, and and they also gave me, like, a literal box of things to try, and not, like, try for me to try out just for fun, like, try so that they were making sure that their products are producing the kind of feedback that they want out they want. of the product, right? Like, if, if I was to get on something and I'm not happy with it, they want me to say, hey, this is not, like, something's not working right for me, and so that I can go back to them and they can fix it and make it better over and over and over again. So it's something that I've, I've just met Wyatt tonight, but I've been with Van and, you know, met him two or three times, talked to him all the time, pretty, you know, consistently. And I've noticed that both of them are just straight perfectionists. Like if, if there's one minor, super tiny thing that you don't like about something, they, like I said, it's one of those, like, ask me a question. If I don't know the answer, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Are you an engineer? No, not at all. I'm just just uh, creative, I guess. I mean, I, I love, like, my whole life, like, I would, everyone's been like, what is your favorite thing? Or what do you, like, like doing the most? And I've played sports. I've done school somewhat. And um, <laughs> That's all right, man. Straight yeah, up fabricator. And I just like making stuff. That's simply yeah. it. Like, that's, like... I honestly like it more than the actual hunting aspect. Now, that's not to say I don't love hunting. Like, I'll get up a tree any day of the week, but I like uh, I get up a tree, and while I'm going up, I'm thinking like, oh, what could I make e- to make this easier? What can I do to do this? And again, it comes kind of back to the competitiveness, which I was talking about earlier. The HFAS is, from my own opinion, but also from a ton of other guys' opinions, and we we actually have a YouTube video with screenshots of the text that we've gotten back. It, it's truly the easiest thing to use climbing up a tree. And to me, like that's all like that's all I care about is like to be able to say we made something that is that much easier. That's awesome. That fires me up, honestly. To so, hear that. <clears throat> we're talking about climbing up a tree and I would say that sitting in a saddle is sitting in a saddle. There's still a hundred different ways to do it, but it's all pretty much the same. But if you follow any saddle hunting group on Facebook I would say one of the most hotly debated topics is how to climb the damn tree. 
Oh yeah, it's see I I run the Facebook and I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's uh it's it's pretty hot topic on 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 the old Facebook groups, but um it again like <clears throat> I hate to sound like a broken record, but it is really what works for you. I mean, like we talk to some people who are like, "Well, I only use a ladder stand," and I'm like does that work really well? He's like, and people will be like, yeah, kill a bunch of deer. And I'm like, great. Don't stop. Like, well, we're in the, we're in the business of making sure you kill deer easier, right. quieter, faster. And if you, and I mean, let's be honest, there's nothing faster, easier and quieter than having a ladder stand that's hooked to a tree that you walk out there, climb right up and you're in, you're in there. I mean, there's just, there's no, I mean, there's nothing better, but not everyone has that option and not every, and you definitely can't, I mean, at least, I, trust me, I've done it. Carry a ladder stand out on public. That I mean, that's not going to work, you know. So, what we're trying to do is, if you use sticks and you want to saddle hunt, we want to make it faster, quieter, lighter, and more cost efficient. But we also sell things for tree stand hunting. We have a tree stand saddle. We have uh, HFAS for a tree stand. We have goodness, like gear hangers you can use in a tree stand. I mean. It doesn't matter really the way you hunt. You can find something on our website. No, that's not to say we focus tree stand hunting as much as we do saddle hunting, but also tree stand hunting, you're not going to have nearly as many accessories or things that you need um, as you do as you would with uh, saddle hunting. So our, our saddle hunting selection is going to be much larger. You know, I'm listening to you guys chat and you mentioned that you fabricate. You know, a while ago I read an uh, Edison Thomas Edison biography about the way he did things and, and actually how he was largely shunned by the more noble community of academic scholars and whatnot because all he did is he basically saw problems, figured, <laughs> out, figured out how to solve them. And a lot of it was trial and error. Yeah. You know, absolutely. he had, and he, but through massive amounts of trial and error, every time you fail, you learn something and it might not be useful for what you're working on now. But man, that eliminates oh, yeah. an awful lot of problems later on when you're working on something unrelated. And Edison made a few things. Yeah, especially you know I mean? especially with splicing. Um, like the stuff that I learned the first two months, three months, plays a huge part in what we do now. And it, it's weird. It's like you're constantly learning and then reapplying. So the HFAS is actually, you took the tender that was... It, uh, everywhere else is found separate from the actual Prusik loop. So it would be two loops and we spliced the tender directly into the same loop of the Prusik. So now it would make more sense to you. It's basically, yeah. yeah, it's basically a, a Prusik. So you can use it just as you would a regular Prusik, but to tighten it, all you do is pull the end. So it will adjust and get tight for you, but it, it's still basically a, just a Prusik loop. Yeah. We, we basically found like, cause what, it, it was there were two options pretty much with with the Prusik and the Prusik tender. Either you had they were completely separate, where the tender would fall to the bottom, and what that created was a situation where you either have to lean down and get it and bring it back up, which you know is uh, you you end up sweating your balls off, especially if you're in Florida. So you know we're like, all right, well we can't do that, or you put a bungee or a castration band around it, and the thing is, if you're not within such a small margin it's it's never going to be a perfect pull every time and we want a perfect pull every time so yeah, what has the, to be a it has pull to every time. it has to be a perfect pull right so 
with HFAS, it's a perfect pull every single time. You never have a hitch. It's never hard. It's not too easy either. If it's too easy, though, that's a problem as well. So you, it's a perfect pull. So that really, it standardized the process. It does take a little bit longer to make. It is a little bit more expensive, but we're not going to break your bank with them. And it, it it's going to be the same every single time. Yeah. And, and all this is basically is to make sure that people don't come out of a tree in a hurry. Well, it's to go up and yeah. hurry, but premature. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We we don't want people falling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So They'll have returned customers if they fall. Yeah. <laughs> Man, we got this one guy. Uh, if he's listening, shout out Carrie Casey. That guy. <laughs> he, he. We have two wholesale accounts. He's bought more than the wholesale accounts. He just yeah. is. I, I don't know. We cannot figure out what he's doing. Like we we, we should we should email him. I talked to him the other day. You did? Did yeah. you ask him if he's okay? No. He might. <laughs> Carrie, if you're listening, I respect you immensely, but you might have a problem, buddy, because uh, that man has over 13 orders on the website right now. <laughs> he has more hang-free gear than we do. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's found something he likes, and he's sticking to it. Yeah, he yeah. said yeah. it's different every time. He said it's never, it's the, same never the same He said last night, he goes, because we type up tickets, so we, like we put to make sure we have everything in the order, we put um, little tickets on each bag to make sure everything's correct. And we, he types up the tickets the night before I do the boxes and um, keychains and stuff like stickers and everything like that. And he's like, ah, nice way. Like, what a re- regular start to the day tomorrow, a Carrie Casey order. <laughs> it's, it's every day, dude. It's crazy. You might be worried that Carrie Casey's not going to get in the saddle business. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, he's he, reverse could start, engineering. He, could be a, he could be a wholesaler for us at this point. <laughs> so I think what one thing William was really trying to dig into when he was yes. talking about getting okay. up the tree. Look, was, <clears throat> hang on. I, I see you climb a stick, you climb a ladder, you climb... And, and the thing that's fascinated me since the beginning of finding out about saddle hunting is the one-stick method. And I'll tell you why. Okay, because we had a piece... Uh, had a lock-on on our piece of power property we hunted in Tennessee. And <clears throat> it had like six of those six or eight of those screw in tree steps going up to it before you got to like actual sticks on the tree and had my buddy not literally walked me to the base of the tree and said the lock on's right there i never would have found that stand yeah it was next to invisible he had it really well hidden in the tree the the sticks were you know 15 feet off the ground for before you get up there and having that ability to like completely disappear with a one stick method Mm-hmm. Well, that, Even w- that for- wouldn't be one sticking actually. That w- that's still a lock on hunting. Hold on, I just I know he's about to go into his one sticking <laughs> rant right now, and I want to preface this. He's gonna say something about the YouTube video we have out. Okay, it's done pretty well. I forgot a Lyman's. I'll, I'll link it in the bottom of the podcast description. <laughs> he, I don't care. You give me a link, I'll link it down. I there. forgot a Lyman's. He for, okay, <laughs> he did forget a Lyman's. All right, okay. People people in the comments were pretty pissed about that, but it's whatever. He forgot a Lyman's, and it was we had walked for forever to get out to where we were going. We weren't going back, but regardless, don't go watch the video. And think that you're going to get a one-stick kit from us and just start doing it that day, okay? He climbs like a squirrel, all right? I've never... We went to Huntstock. A really big one. He went, Yeah, a real big squirrel. But he, we went to Huntstock, and every single person that watched him do it came back to me at the, stand, at the booth and goes, I've never seen anybody climb a tree that fast. <laughs> ever in my life and he was talking he was going slow I've seen him do it way faster I've seen him get to like 20 feet in like a minute 
less than it's 30 about seconds simplifying so i'm gonna hold on I'll, I'll touch on so with the screw-in steps in the i'm guessing it was one stick above this the screw-in steps. no so you had like i mean this this lock-on was 25 30 feet in the air so you had probably eight steps to get to the first set of i think probably three steps three sets of steps to get up to the lock-on stand so but the way it was set up in 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 the tree that it was in had I not known that those steps were there because it was so well hidden in a backdrop and everything else, I never would have found that stand. You couldn't look up from directly underneath it or behind it and see what you see the stand in the tree. You had to be standing where the deer needed to be mm-hmm. to see the stand. Okay. To have any idea where that stand was at. Yeah, yeah. So it was just extremely well hidden. And had somebody not walked me to the base of the tree and said, yeah, climb here. I was like, oh, I... I didn't even notice that walking up. I mean, I, I'd hunted that property prior to that stand being up. I had hunted that property for over a year before I got invited that guy there to hunt with us. Yeah. He put that stand up and I had no idea it was there. The the way like I personally see saddle hunting. So I think majority of the guys get into it with four sticks and then they're going to reduce their sticks to three with an eater. And then they're going to reduce to maybe two with two, three step eighters. And then eventually not all guys, because some guys have really good systems where they run four, three or four sticks. But I think I run mass three. majority are slowly transitioning to one sticking as they get more comfortable with their gear, as they learn more about their gear. As one sticking, if you go on YouTube and you look up a uh, one sticking, you're not gonna you're not gonna go buy a kit. Like you're just it looks incredibly confusing. It looks very daunting. So when we went and filmed our one sticking video, my whole goal was to try to just simplify it that's the kit i use that's the kit i climb with that's the kit i've run and and i'm going to continue to run and uh explain what one sticking is for someone that has no idea yeah i I was going to say because jokes on you i've watched a few youtube videos and i think i have a pretty good understanding of how it works and i would like to try it yeah i mean i truly believe Uh, it's the easiest way to climb it i understand i can't do it in crocs you, well, you need a good put, put them joints in sport mode, and you might have a chance. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a yeah. second, but you need my... a good shoe to do that. So yeah. What is one sticking? One sticking is so there's going to be two types. You're going to have either like a stick, a climbing stick that has a platform on top of the stick, or you're going to use just a stick and then a, a separate platform, which is the way I do it. I like to have a full sized platform with all the features leaning up and down. I think there's actually a stick now called the Big Bob. I'm not sure who makes it. Um, I think it's out on a limb. I think so. And they have a, a, a platform that can leverage. I think that's one of the most important things just for saddle hunting comfort in general. I think most platforms have them now. But you're taking a 30-foot um, line or a 30-foot tether, and then you're moving that up the tree as you're climbing. Your one. So you put your stick on the tree, you climb up, move your tether up, you sit down. I just put my legs right around the tree. I'm sitting in my saddle and I reach down, grab my stick. I'll move it up to as high as you can get it uh, underneath your tether. That is because if you go over, then you obviously can't move your tether up the tree. You'll reattach it, climb your stick, move your tether up. And in three moves, the first move being walking up to the tree, putting your stick on the tree, I can get to about 22 to 24 feet. Now also understand that, Again, you said earlier you're six foot five. No, but that doesn't have. Like, I use a two step <laughs> eater, so almost everyone that saddle hunts or one sticks um, uses a three step. 
I use a two-step aider. So anybody in this room could get just as high so as he, I could. That's what he told me. So we were hunting. Um, like I said, he hunted me with me um, opening morning. And I have like a 20-foot set ladder, you know, like a Walmart special, right? Right. Um, and a mirror step? Yeah, mirror yeah. step, straight up the tree, you know, real tree, whatever. There ain't no camo on it, but. Um, anyways, so he climbed up the thing and, and we got settled in and everything. And he honestly, without him there with me that first morning, I probably would have ended up hunting out of the lock on that was there because I, I was trying to figure out the whole platform thing and he helped me a big time. But, um, anyways, so when we got to that point, he literally looked at me square in the face and was like, I could, I could have one sticked in this tree as fast as it took me to climb it. And I'm talking a set ladder that's already there. He's like, I could have been up here already settled just as fast as I climbed the ladder. And he said, and so could you. It's it's funny you say that, though, because on the YouTube video in the comments, people are like, that's not 20 foot. And actually, we replied to it. We, we don't like, like, you know, getting in fights or arguments or anything like that. Like, we don't do that. But we did reply. Somebody was like, that's not 20 feet. Even though, like, he did measure it in the video. That was the top of my tether is 18, but I only made two moves. Yeah, he only made two moves. But regardless, we were like, all right, well, we'll make another video, like, you know, like showing you, like, with a tape measure, which we obviously have not done because the second we wrote that, we became busier than we ever could have possibly <laughs> we, imagined. We wrote that on the way back from Huntstock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, literally, we wrote it, and then, like, as we were writing, it was just like, ding, 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 like, for orders. So, we couldn't make another video, but, I mean, like, li- I mean, literally, I've seen him, when, when he wasn't talking or wasn't paying attention or whatever he was doing, I've literally seen him get up a tree, like, t- to 20 foot of height in, like, 45 seconds. But it's also, like you said earlier, like, you're not going to go one stick and do that your first time. That's hundreds of hours of practice. Well, but the same thing, like we talked about earlier when I was out here on the pine tree in my backyard in the saddle, like uh, I sit there and I was like, this, this is comfortable, but there are a little bit of, uh, like uh, small things are like, ah, well, and this could be more comfortable. Like, well, if you just adjust that, Mm -hmm. you adjust this, you adjust that. I'm like, well, these are things that you learn from time spent in a saddle. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can equate saddle hunting to is uh, when you pick up a bow for the first time, you want to bow hunt. You're like, yeah, I'm going to bow hunt. You're like, I can't hit shit at 30 yards. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you keep shooting. Yeah. And that changes. You learn. You practice, you figure, you get the form right, everything, and everything comes together. And next thing you know, you're, you're, you know, drilling dimes at 50. Yeah. Because you've practiced with it. You play with the saddle, you put it on a tree in the backyard, you climb this, you climb that. And it's the same with the one stick method. It it's it's not gonna it's not going to come to you naturally because it's not natural for humans to climb a tree like a squirrel. Yeah, yeah. No, right. It takes practice. It takes time, and you continue. You have to dedicate the. You have to want to do that, right? And you find a way. You figure out how. Oh, oh wow! This is how it works. This is how it's comfortable. This is why people enjoy this. Yeah, and I think um, a big part of it just saddle hunting in general one sticking using four six however you're running your setup is your setup how you're like, how you're actually packing your bag right if you're not packing your bag in a way that makes sense you're not going to enjoy it so when i get to the tree with my one stick i reach underneath my bag i unclip my actual stick my platform is still on my bag i put my stick on the tree 
and then I have a pouch that has all my rope. So then I just already have the amount that I know I'm going to use to actually climb out. And then I have the rest just sitting there, like just in a, in a big old dump pouch. We call it the biggie bag is made for holding up to like 50 feet of rope basically. And then I'm just already going versus getting to the tree, setting my pack down. If I had four sticks or three sticks, you put the first one on the tree, you got to hang the other ones off the side of your saddle, off the back of your saddle. And then you get your linemans out, put it around the tree, you go up your first stick, get one off, put it up on the next one, move your linemans up, get your other stick off the thing in the dark, which is nothing's easy in the dark. No. And then putting the next stick on and then keep on going and then you're sweating you're sweating to describe everything. Like to describe a stick for anybody that maybe hasn't hunted it, think of it as sing as a almost like a single pole, usually it's a square tube. And then off of that, on alternate sides of the stick you have steps it's about the simplest ladder that you could ever have um it's about in general them. it's about 20 inches long it's so like one stick just to kind of give them an idea if you, like i found that especially like just being on facebook answering questions like you say like a ladder to give them an idea i know what you were saying like in terms of like the steps how yeah. it like, might seem like a ladder and then people are thinking ladder like four five six ten feet but like re- like when he says ladder he means like ladder steps but like in between twelve and thirty inches long for a full stick, either either two steps or three steps. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say alternating. Sorry a, to interrupt. I, I a, a very large amount of people these days that probably hunt lock-ons are already gonna use climbing a, sticks. a stick, yeah. right? There's not many people that have like the full steady ladder like you have. The reason, You're, yeah, the when only you reason put your, I use one is because I have people that are inexperienced hunters that come with me and film. You so also like, have the in ability. that in that situation, I want them to be 100 percent comfortable yeah. climbing that ladder. If it wasn't for that. <laughs> I would not be using it either. Yeah. yeah. You also have sticks. the ability, like you have private land. Yeah, like, exactly. That's totally fine. You, yeah, you can go set that out there, there and you yeah. can leave it there forever. Yep. You know, 100%. Like, you I can, can tell you, like I filmed for Hunter last weekend and when he was sitting like in his saddle and I'm sitting in the lock on, I'm like, God, I wish I was in a saddle. And I right even now. brought like, him a cushion. I even brought I, him a cushion. I was sitting you on a nice cushion. Yeah. I was yeah. sitting on a nice cushion and everything. I'm like this looks way more like that saddle looks ten times more comfortable in this lockout, right? As he's like swinging back and forth, yeah. Yeah, he's like swinging around and doing yeah. this and that, and I'm like, I just wish I could lean back like you are right now. Like this yeah. would be so nice. That's well, where the that's tree a, stand saddle comes in. Yeah, definitely. You wear it like waist level, and it's just a leaning saddle. And I, that's basically how I was wearing the full size saddle yep. uh, when I came in film because I was on the lock on filming, but I was I still need that. Even filming, just standing there, I would. have probably fell out like <laughs> just i mean i am so wobbly but yeah. um kind of touch back what you were just saying what i also found last year um once i transitioned to like saddle hunting basically full time like no no using sets or anything like that was um, i got picked off basically never like once you're like i set up on the opposite side of the tree because of how easy you can maneuver around the tree once you're comfortable in the saddle there's no point in sitting even at an angle where the deer can still see you. Like why not sit on the full opposite side of the tree and then make a tiny maneuver and you're able to shoot. So I'm able to sit behind that tree, um, get a camera in focus or get some gear in focus. Or if I didn't have my release clipped on, I can clip my release on. I'm able to move so much more and be prepared to take a shot versus like a lock on, for example, where you're kind of having to be positioned in a, in a good way. 
where you're not going to be able to move very much or they're going to pick you off. There's essentially nothing between you and that deer when you're in lock on. When you're in saddle, you're on the back side of the tree, yeah. if that's how you choose to sit, and then you have that whole trunk of the tree yeah. as your cover. Espe- yeah. Especially with the older bucks, too. Like, we, like we kind of matured as saddle hunters in, in um, Tallahassee, and the dog pressure is so bad there that it's like if I, when I first started hunting there, I have some. I could spend six hours sitting here telling you stories about hilarious people I met hunting in Tallahassee. But the like one of the first times I ever went out, I talked to a guy after the hunt, and he was like, "Don't if he's he he's like, do you have cameras out here?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he was like, "If you ever see a buck past three years old, he's like, don't go after it. He goes, it's pointless. He goes, they'll know." And actually, this past year, I didn't kill a deer because I didn't take his advice. I, there was a deer I named him Ranchero. He was huge. He was huge. And um, I only caught him on camera once, and I saw him three times in person. Once going to check the camera, and when I was walking out, I saw him stop before the camera and look at it and then go around it. And the other two times, stopped in a shooting lane right before, like, it was light enough to ethically shoot. He he would stop in the shooting lane and then turn and look right up at me, and okay. I could just make out his antlers in the, in the moonlight. Like, and he'd just look right at. He knew I was there, and he, it was almost like he was laughing at me. And I chased that. I chased that deer all season. Yeah, I didn't I mean, catch him. I had that happen twice this past season where I had a lock on early season. The deer come in, and I'm sitting a different tree because saddle hunting you just set up differently, so that tree wasn't very good for a lock on and the deer would come in and, and just stare at the tree that I had the lock on in. And it's like, if you, if you think about it, when you're on a lock on you're you appear as if you're just floating next to a tree, like a deer knows that's not normal. Like yeah. what is, what is that versus saddle hunting, which I'm not sure if this is a fact in my mind, it's a fact you're, you look like a branch, your feet look like they're connected to the tree and you're leaning at an angle that like a branch could be leaning at versus floating two feet, away from a tree just floating there if you make any bit of movement they're gonna be like nope and they're gonna take off running versus if you move a tiny bit and they might see you you might be like uh, it's a it's a branch and again that's my experience i don't know if it's a fact i'm sure there's somebody out there that researches all this stuff and i mean i've had deer stare directly at me in, in a saddle and continue on with their day but when i've when i've blown deer from you know in a um, hang on or a climber they're gone. They're done. My day's done. There's no deer coming. I had a lock-on setup. You can ask William that I probably should have been saddle hunting. Because William's like, he, he was like, I want to hunt this stand one time. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. I'll walk it to you like in the daylight. I'll walk you to in the daylight so you can see it and whatever. And uh, I walk him out to it and he's like, looks at it and he's like, how do you get in a lock-on? It's like the steps don't go all the way to it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You reach the top of the steps and then you just kind of like monkey through the limbs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's and where you lost yeah. me. It was. It exactly. was like asking. <laughs> yeah. the, the ladder hit like the base of the limbs and then you climbed the tree to get to the lock-on. <laughs> and then you sat in the lock-on. Because I knew that like there was a certain height. Once I got to this certain height, I could see through this hole that I wanted to see through and see what I wanted to see. But outside of that, I wouldn't be able to see. So I was like, Screw it, looks like I'm climbing the tree. And William, William looked at it, he's like, yeah, you can hunt that. That's good, I'm not doing that. <laughs> now, granted, for those of you that don't know, I've got to get 100 pounds on Jordan. More than? <laughs> yeah. No, well, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, Wow. You're, you're what, six, six? You're about wow. the same height as me, six, six one. Foot. Yeah, six one. 100 and 
I'm 140. 140. Okay, so yeah, I got Soaking about 100 wet. pounds on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I could lose 140. <laughs> I walk outside and have trouble with the wind. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. Van turns sideways. I gotta walk through it sideways. Yeah, van turns sideways. It disappears. <laughs> yeah, with Hurricane Ian coming here in the next few days, you better be careful. All, all three, y'all. Hey, yeah. we're done. They're they're yeah. good. They can just turn sideways. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got a hurricane. Yeah, I got some ratchet straps in the yard to strap me down if I want to go. Hang yeah, out I was gonna outside. say. I was gonna say you're gonna see me walking around with a like a, a leash basically oh, attached yeah. to ground. ankle weights <laughs> tied to a cinder block. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> a lifeline. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I think that um, especially with uh, like like you were saying, like even public land, I think if you're hanging a set of sticks, always take that bottom stick when you're going like leaving the woods for two reasons. The deer, I think, will see it, smell it, get used to it being there, and then figure out where your stand's at. But also, if you don't have a bottom stick, then no one can go up there and take your your set. So yeah, if the first stick is seven feet or the, after taking your first stick, first stick would be seven feet off the ground. No one, no one other than Wyatt and I are going to steal your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I think that's important, but then it kind of like one sticking. Yeah. There's definitely some mornings I'm like, man, I wish there was a set, like a set of sticks already on the tree. Like I don't feel like going out there, putting it on, climbing up this tree, one sticking. I wish I could just walk out there, ladder, ladder, um, Ladder stick? I don't even know. Climb? Yeah. <laughs> a I ladder stand? A ladder, yeah, just where just, I can just, just climb? Just, yeah, climb right up. But He's uh, like, I've been saddled on I think for so that, long, I don't even care. That now. comes, yeah. back, that but, comes uh, back to where, like, Wyatt was talking about earlier, though. Like, just because you have a saddle, like, I have a saddle on my truck. Doesn't mean that I have to use the thing if I have the means to hunt an easier way, right? Like, if it's going to be more effective, if you have the ability to use it, like, that's not necessarily the market that you're, like, you know, marketing to, right? The guy that hunts out of a ladder stand his whole life. Why do you? Why would you buy a tree stand saddle? You know what I mean. Unless you want to try it before you buy a saddle or something like that, right? The one thing I would say about that, we have a lot of people that actually use the tree stand saddle, like in their ladder stand. Yeah. Because, as every single person who's ever hunted deer, whether you've hunted one time or a million times, you know that if you got a ladder stand, it's almost guaranteed that a deer will walk in from behind. Oh, <laughs> like 100%. Every single time. That's no matter the only if you, way they walk in. Yeah, yeah. 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 For, for us, that's the only way they walk in. But we have a lot of people that will buy the, the tree stand saddle, they'll put their tether on the tree, because really all you need is a is a saddle and a tether. So like yeah. people think, oh, like, oh, set up, I got to get this, I got to get that. No, you don't. You just need a saddle and a tether, right? So if you have if, a if you, yeah, if you have a, a you know a set already set like already up and running, but we have a lot of people who will put their tether on the tree. They'll they'll hook into their saddle, and with both the vital and the tree stand saddle, they zip up. So we have you know people zip it up and keep it zipped, and then when they whenever they want to turn around and lean, they'll unzip it and lean. Or if a deer walks in behind you. Then you can stand up, lean, and you got yourself a perfect shot. You got the ability to sh- take exactly. that shot. Exactly, it gives you that versatility. I got so, you. Okay. On a related subject, this this weekend, I set up on a place that I hunt in Georgia with a climber, it's archery, and had the wind into my face. You know, you, you know it was because you could breathe, and just the way the you know, your water vapor goes behind you. I'm like, man, I'm I'm money. I'm set up. And you wait, and then about 9 o'clock comes along, and sure enough, I've got these does that are coming in from the right. 
and they're coming in and I'm like, man, I need a couple more feet jackpot. And then sure enough, because now the sun's coming up from behind me, you, you, I just feel that tickle on the back of my neck and I'm like, uh-oh. And immediately, like the the biggest nanny of the three of them just starts doing the high step and getting that funky head back and forth. <laughs> and she, I, she never picked me out, but she knew. She was like, nah, something's not right. Left. So next day, I change my position. But the same thing is deer came. I know they winded me. but And I could hear them because it's pretty thick, moving, literally moving back and forth. Like they were, they, I knew, they, I'm like, they're never coming in. But you could hear them moving from, say, 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, back to 3 o'clock. Back to six o'clock. <laughs> like, just get it over with, man. I'm, I'm just waiting to hear the. Whew. Nope. But had you had what you were talking about, I could have easily made the adjustments to, even though they're going back and forth. Me trying to, you can't take your you can't really take your climber and start moving around a tree, right? Yeah. It's too damn noisy. But with your system, and the, and the saddle, it's much easier to then pivot back around the tree and set yourself up. So when they are now coming in behind you because they're trying to come, they're trying to come up wind to come in from behind you. You got them. Yeah. I've had multiple people. I say like, Oh, well, um, you know, you got to stand up and, and, and lean in the saddle to, uh, to shoot the deer. And I go, Oh, um, well, how, how do you shoot the deer? And they go, what do you mean? I go, do you, do you shoot them sitting down every time? And they go, well, no, I shoot them standing up most of the time. And I go, so you got to, gotta stand up don't you regardless and there, then they go you have to stand up out of the saddle <laughs> no, no no i'm you saying out back, of a right? out of a tree stand uh, out of a tree stand like, mo- like stand yeah for the most part <laughs> like i've never seen anybody shoot one sitting down in a tree stand <laughs> and everybody goes well i gotta stand to to shoot them and i go well you stand anyway there's no difference if you're wearing a saddle or not you're, no, you're doing the same you're thing turning, except you're the saddle gives you more stability correct yeah. Yeah. exactly it's like i mean i guess uh, well, legally, I shouldn't say this, but and I don't recommend it. But you shouldn't, or you shouldn't, you could maybe be able to shoot from behind the tree without a saddle. <laughs> but is it going to be effective? Absolutely not. Are you going to hit the deer? Probably not. Is it going to be a whole lot easier with a saddle of some sort, whether it's ours or somebody else's? Absolutely. So just just from someone that's hunted out of lock-ons my whole or lock-ons or climbers my whole life, right? So one thing that was extremely intriguing to me about the saddle is the fact that is the fact that you you're sitting there right in a lock on and like you guys said earlier in a saddle you can stay more hidden you know that's that's like, I feel like that's the number one thing that people talk about is the fact that you can keep the deer or the the tree between you and the deer but for me the the most intriguing thing to me is the fact that if you have your platform on the tree and you put and Van showed me this and you put one stick to directly to your strong side, you can legitimately shoot 360 degrees around that tree as long as the tree's not this just giant massive tree, right? But what's crazy about it is you stand up. That that's the first thing you have to do if you're in a lock on. You have to stand up. Then you have to maneuver your feet to shoot, right? You have to draw your bow. That, that that's a lot of move lot of movement right especially because there's not a tree between you and what you're shooting at but with the saddle you can maneuver your feet around that tree and the knot is going to tighten down 
and your tether is going to touch against the tree slowly as you ease around it. And like they said earlier, it's almost like you're a branch, right? Your feet are, your feet are connected to the tree and you're just slowly kicking around that tree. When you get to where you want to shoot, it absolutely makes no noise. That entire thing, yeah. that whole movement is one continuous movement around the tree and it makes absolutely zero noise. So that's if you have a hang-free tether. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, and guess what? They're ultra quiet. Hey, and guess what? I got one. All right. And I've been using quiet. it. <laughs> so <clears throat> something Van brought up earlier when we talked about the difference in this stand and that stand and saddle hunting, <clears throat> you're talking about how you almost feel stuck to a tree. I think it was Van that was talking about it earlier. Oh, this is going to roll into it. Yeah, okay. Right. This guy, I've been waiting for this one. All right. So <laughs> I can tell you from experience, I have a 13 point that hangs on the wall in there. I sat in that tree for four days going, this is the spot. I can hear the commotion down the bottom, but this is the spot. Sat there. And I saw a nice 11, a couple good nines, but all the ass whipping was coming out of the bottom, and I couldn't see where it was coming from. All I was seeing coming out of the bottom was the losers. And I was like, I know there's something big in there. I know there's something big. Afternoon of day four, I said, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna pull my. I'm gonna pull. I'm finally gonna pull my climber down. I'm gonna walk into the bottom. I'm gonna find somewhere else, somewhere else to hunt. And I pulled my climber down, and I wandered off down into the bottom. Now, granted, I was walking two and a half miles. Where I parked my truck to where I hunted in that climbing stand. Mm. Mm. Got down the bottom and I was there 30 minutes and I shot that 13 point. Yeah. And that that leads me directly into what I wanted to say. He'd been there. He'd been there the whole time. Yeah. But I couldn't see him for where I was. He stayed down in that bottom. He fought and the losers left. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would say regardless of how you're hunting now, regardless of like what style you like to do, if it's hang on, if it's climber, whatever it is, I think it's essential for you to have a mobile kit. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you're using a climber, you more than likely have a hang on, or you more than likely have multiple hang ons, multiple climbers. And if you think about it, you can go buy four climbers or you can buy one climber and a saddle setup. And it's really like relatively going to be the same price. Now, if you're running one hang on set and that's all you got, you're just elite. Like you're, <laughs> You're a soldier. Like if, you're, <laughs> if that's if you're taking that down, putting it up every time you go hunt, then that's ten toes props down to right you. There. Yeah. But instead of going and getting three hang on sets, get one and get a mobile setup. <laughs> you're a soldier. The buck I shot last year, uh, in the area we we're not against hanging sets. We said earlier in the podcast, if you can or if you have the ability to do it, like it's easy. Like you know, it, there's nothing easier than walking out climbing a tree basically climbing a ladder well there's nothing lighter there, there's nothing more lightweight than leaving your stand in the woods yeah i mean i, I don't mean, know nothing. i could lose a couple yeah. pounds but <laughs> but, <laughs> besides that, but the the buck i shot last year i was actually going to hunt a set of sticks it was still going to be saddle hunting but it was a set we had preset i was on my way there um right as i was got out of the car and i was getting like dressed or getting like uh situated ready. yeah, yeah ready you. to go I uh, got a spot point cam of a buck coming down um, a trail. Went out to basically the kind of the end of the trail in a way where I knew he was going to be coming or highly likely coming. Um, climbed up the tree. I was up within, oh, I don't know, maybe five minutes once I got to the tree and like I was set up in five minutes. And 10 minutes later, came down that trail and I shot him. 
And I don't believe I would have been able to do that with a climber with a set of sticks. And granted, sure, if you want to sit there and practice with a set of sticks, you'll probably be able to do it relatively as fast as I can one stick. But I can't. Like I don't have the practice. I am just not as good with the set of sticks. And I don't think I would have been able to do that with anything but like a mobile one stick setup. So you know, my mobile setup is one sticking. Your mobile setup could be four sticks. Uh, I, I do think it is essential to have somewhat of a mobile setup in your lineup versus 100%. going and buying five hang-ons. And it, like the only thing I can think where we're like you like you know your uh, ladder stand pays off right is if you have a lease where you can leave stuff or whatever packing a ladder stand in and out you could kiss that i would yeah, you, i would just yeah. not hunt public land if i yeah. had to pack a ladder stand i just or wouldn't hunt do once a week like yeah. that's all right you know sundays you, i'm gonna leave to it be off work yeah. i'm gonna know? leave it and hope somebody doesn't steal it that's yeah. all i'm gonna do because i'm not packing it in and out but uh you just think that like even if you have a lease there's times where you have a ladder stand and it sits here like william said where he was in the bottom that that deer was in the bottom and you have your ladder stand you know the deer moving there you're like screw it this afternoon I'm taking my mobile setup, yeah. and I'm moving down there. I mean, a mobile setup no, I, has its uh, you, you its could place be, You could be sitting in a ladder stand on your lease and watching this deer, th- this buck that just does not want to step out of this one spot. Mm-hmm. He's there every evening right before dark. He stays there till it gets dark. You can't shoot him. Then you you say, screw this X stand I'm hunting in, quad, pod, box stand, ladder stand, whatever. I'm going to grab my mobile setup. I'm going to move five trees over. Where the only thing that's going to fit is a saddle. I'm going to kill that deer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and especially, I might move I might move two trees over. Right. That's it. I mean, it, it comes down to the littlest things and being mobile. Like, when I go up a tree, my setup goes up with me. When I repel out, which is so much fun. That's literally, that's probably the number one reason I'm one sick. Is you just get to repel out, no work. You don't have to take anything off the tree and try to back down. A set of sticks you just basically repel and then grab your stuff as you go and when i hit the ground i wrap up my main rope and my pull down line which probably isn't going to make any sense basically the line you use to pull down your yeah well, like, so dirty tether the, 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 I mean, correct me if i'm wrong but your pull down line would be a tie if you're using that tether it's like a slip knot basically it would be basically your gear hoist so what you use to pull up your gear you then attach that to the quick link that's on your one stick setup. So if you're, when, if you're thinking like a slip knot, it's a tied, it's tied to the loop end, right? Um, how do you, uh, well, like when you look at your, uh, your tether out there, you have like a loop on one end and that you're sliding your, your, yeah. so that loop would be replaced by basically a carabiner. It's called a quick link. It's uh-huh. like a rock climbing thing. It's just rated for way higher poundage, uh, like MBS than a carabiner is. But you replace that, like the tied loop, with a quick link. And the quick link basically, you just unscrew it, put your, because you don't want to feed 30 feet back through that eye. Right. So you just hook your line on there and tighten it down, and then that acts as your line. But obviously, when you repel out, that's still tight to the tree, 25, 30 feet up right. in the air. You got to get that down. So I use basically my pull up rope. I then attach it to the quick link. So when I repel out, I have control of that quick link and I can pull that down. And the rest of the line just goes back through right. the quick link. So when I hit the ground, I basically wrap up two ropes and I'm out of the woods and ready to hunt. Like when my pack goes into the car, it's ready to come out of the car and go hunt. So there's no, 
figuring out how to attach my sticks to the to the stand or to my backpack or it's when I get to the tree my my pack is ready to go I unclip my stick I'm going up when I get to the ground I pack away two ropes I'm packing away as I'm rappelling out so I just pack up two ropes and I'm ready to go again and that's one of the probably biggest benefits of one sticking if not the biggest benefit like yeah you save weight and everything but I'm not a guy that's going to save a couple pounds and then not be comfortable I'm going to take a comfortable setup I don't really care all too much about weight it's mainly just about like comfort and ease and I found that that setup works for me now I'm not trying to convince everybody to one stick you know it might not be for you but for me that's my setup and I think that's the probably biggest benefit of saddle hunting in general is you're able to find your setup Right. You know, it might not be one sticking. It might not be using four sticks. It might be SRT, which I have no experience in. But what the heck is that? Basically, you, I don't even know if I want to, I don't even know if I should answer. It's like that is a very um, particular style that they're, they'll come crashing in the comments and be like, oh, he's wrong. And (laughs) so to preference this, I have no idea what I'm talking about when it comes to SRT. Jokes on those guys because I don't read the comments. (laughs) What is SRT an abbreviation for? I love. I don't even know the abbreviation. Um, I, I know it's basically climbing with um, no sticks. So you would use like a throw line to throw a, like a skinny light line over a tree branch to run a heavy line over there to somehow yeah. tie a knot that you then are basically, it's like a um, arborist technique in a way. Some George hmm. of the Jungle stuff. Yeah, basically yeah. you really got to, you got to know what you're doing though to do so that. So I, I heard some guys down here on public land in Florida um i'm sorry not public land on private land that hunt saddle hunting that's like super mobile and they're linemen and they use they use hooks oh spikes yeah like like the like boot hooks right you can't use those on public but Mm -hmm. um on their private they will they will legitimately hook those the hooks to the tree Mm -hmm. bang 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 they're up it with a linesman's rope they'll sit in their saddle mm-hmm. yeah like uh so you there's no sticks involved there's no nothing involved you you say you're not allowed to use spikes and i i, I don't know i question that a lot right how much more damage do trees like i know you're allowed to use climbers spikes. i feel yeah. like yeah. hooks don't do any more yeah. damage yeah. Than, than a, a climber well i just well, yeah. i wasn't sure i'm not a big public land guy i'll be honest with you i'm a private land guy so but like screwing in i know you can't screw in yeah a, you can't screw can't in, screw in, in a yeah. hanger, yeah. right so i was thinking you probably couldn't use I don't know. I, I think you can. I, I think it you just, can. It depends use on the spikes. place. Is it, it depends like, where you are. Is it like depth? I mean, I have a I have a good buddy um, who is actually he started out as a he was one of the first customers that we ever had. I mean, way back when we had maybe seven items yeah. available. His name's Kyle. He's probably listening to this right now. So shout out Kyle. But um, he's an arborist and he uses spikes. And we send him basically every year we come out with so he can. You, they're more brutal on it than yeah. Normal. He can beat the shit out because of because yeah. a you're oh, throwing yeah. that up there, and he just beats yeah. the heck out of stuff. And man, he sent me a video of him climbing up that tree, and I, I seriously consider getting spikes. Oh, it's nuts! Yeah, because I mean, my dad, my, seconds. like I said, my dad's a lineman. I got a bunch of buddies that are linemen, and and well, now that you guys said it might not be illegal, I, they might be doing it on public too. I'm not yeah. sure, but um, where he is, it is legal. But that's what I'm saying. So, like, if you think about it. That that eliminates your sticks. That eliminates everything that you need. That even eliminates the one stick thing you need. Yeah. No you just like, need a platform. For, for me, I know exactly how I am. And uh I don't want to be worrying about whether I'm legal or not on each. No, well, that's what place. I'm saying. I you wouldn't know what I mean? do that either. Like but, I'd but, rather I'd rather uh 
Um, be sure. Yeah. Yeah. Be, yeah, be sure. Yeah, I got you. He's also like, I think that's one of the most like things you got to practice the most. Like, and I think it also matters on on trees. If you're going to be running that on pines, you're going to be making more noise than a climber. Yeah. You're going to be just shedding the pines, just bark coming down. Yeah. It's going to be raining versus like North Carolina, Massachusetts, anywhere really up north. You're going to be on hard oaks. Like, why not? Yeah. Like, no, that's, I was just throwing it out there because that's like another thing that I've yeah. heard people using, but. You use that and then you have a lock on. It's like, oh man, I still got to hook this lock on to yeah. the tree. You know what I mean? So, or even a climber, like obviously it defeats the purpose to have spikes and have a climber. Yeah. But having those spikes, if it's if you're a guy that means to have that, you have that ability, and then you have a saddle. Why not? So, yeah. like William said, honestly, how much is two spikes? It's got to do less damage than all the teeth on a climber. And sticks, even. I mean, I, sticks I, dig I, in there. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm thinking the spikes have to go in. If you can use a climber, yeah. If, if you can use a climber, there's no way you can't use. Well, do you so, know? What you, do you know what you're doing? Because <laughs> if you don't, you're gonna tear that tree up pretty good. I'll this say climber. this. No, I don't. And, but and this this is based off hunting timber, leasing from timber companies. And I may be wrong, and I would encourage everyone to clarify with their local law enforcement uh dnr or whatever but i think when they say tree spikes they're actually meaning uh, the guys that run 100 penny nails yep like actual screw in like yeah. screw in steps or like or nail, nail, yeah, nails yeah, and yeah. I, yeah. I think the point Rail in that works. is like because when you when you fell timber yeah. So, leasing from the timber company, we weren't allowed to nail anything to the tree. And it, so, that's not true. We could nail things to the tree, like posted signs, but we had to use aluminum nails. Because they got to cut through them? Yep. Correct. Oh, gotcha. They got to run yeah, a saw yeah, yeah. a saw down it at Using some point. Using a saw mill. Yeah, yeah, the aluminum nails okay, kind of screw up the, the steel blade. Yeah. So, <clears throat> the thing comes back to, you know, you got guys that want to, I mean, we hunted with a guy when I was younger. and He was on our lease. That dude would run dang 100 penny nails gutter nails 30 feet up a tree to a platform way up there and it was uh sketchy yeah yeah there was a, there was <laughs> a certain spot that, i hunted last year that had nails in it previously this yeah. is on public like these are old nails that's how you and know it's like, a good spot yeah, yeah. And i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go hang that hang on up there and just have that man those nails i had a couple of them start bending that's an uneasy feeling you yeah. walk around those woods the tallahassee woods long enough you'll find just about anything you want to find there's people that have been out there that have done some type of hunting i mean i was telling you earlier i saw you know a metal folding chair somehow connected to a piece of plywood that should not have been in the tree still like absolutely not like just physics would tell you like you don't need to know anything about anything and look at it and be like that shouldn't be in there <laughs> oh so that you want to you want to look at some some deer stands like shouldn't be there you look at this i got the meat eater ethical deer stands calendar over here oh you think that's bad dude oh no this thing this, that I'm this talking one, about <laughs> this one we're looking at right now ain't nothing you go back to january they they have, i think they actually have a folding chair yeah there, there's some rough stuff let's see there, what october yeah. looks like i'm gonna start hunting out of a hammock do yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I already, he, hey, I already am. Well, yeah. <laughs> when I when I tell well, he's looking for this thing on the calendar. I'm let me let me try to give you a picture of what I was looking at. I was looking at a folding metal folding chair, old school style, on a piece of plywood that was perpendicular 
to the tree, like tree straight up, wood straight out. There was nothing attaching it to the tree. It was like, like it was like magic. It's just grown in. It was like I. The only thing I can think of was he nailed the chair to the tree, <laughs> but there was no leverage to hold it up. That's Florida so, man ingenuity. So, That's but right. then I'm wondering. So, no, like my, like mind you, I'm standing there trying to. I'm looking at this thing like 20 feet in the air, going, "How did he get up?" Because like this thing, I mean, it's rusted almost completely out, like the chair. So I, it's been there for a long time. Like if. if you know what? I'm going to read the comments. So if so, you got an idea of how he stuck it to the tree, let me know because I didn't see any nails. <laughs> I'm, I, it's, it, this thing has haunted so, me. So for is there years. a picture of this? Is there a picture of this somewhere? Oh no, I didn't. I didn't have anything. Like I didn't even have a bow. I, I was got, just out there like scouting, just wandering you around didn't have looking like for a, places. A phone picture? No, nothing. I didn't have anything. I was literally just wandering out. It was like my. It was the first season I ever hunted. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where I was going. I was walking out there. I got lost that same day. It was a whole. It was a whole thing. But it, I could actually probably still find it if it's still there. Oh, oh it's de- oh, it's definitely still there. <laughs> been there for twenty five. Yeah, dude. Twenty. I got I got ladder stands that have been in the same place for pushing fifteen years. That I'll never get them out at this point. No, they're great. I mean, the tree. there's there's still ratchet straps on them just in case, but. I mean the that's the, why you the readjust teeth, them every so often. The teeth that go into it, man. The tree is like I can't. It's now grown around the entire bracket. That's awesome. So it's not coming out. One, <laughs> so. one day, one day, way down the road, someone will see that stand and be like, "Man, this must be a good tree." <laughs> Listen, yeah, you say I do, that. I, I do a bunch it now. Of it too. But you oh, say by the that, way, but SRT stands for single rope technique. Okay. Thank you, Google. William and I pulled when we lost our lease this past season we had one stand where i was like we're not getting this damn thing out of the tree and william's like watch undo that ratchet strap undo the ratchet strap he took that ladder and just yeet one way and yeet back the other and that it just boop, right out of the bark on that chair i said okay right, <laughs> well just just to put in perspective it don't take very long for them to grow into the tree because i still go back and hunt the same privately owned public access land that i hunted in when i was in college in west virginia and so I hung the stand in 2017. So it's been this this September. So now it will it would been have been five years. And the platform on the tree. Last time I got there in November, I didn't. I had a buddy go check straps and everything and make sure the stand was okay. Right, I didn't just go climb up in the stand in the dark. It's been sitting there for five years, but I had him check the straps and everything. But I climbed in the tree and the platformer is like, I don't know, a 45. I'm like, hold on a second. How am I going to get it to sit flat? So that tree had grown so much in the last year that the platform itself was starting to kick up. That's a recliner, bud. Dude, I sat in that thing. Talk about uncomfortable. I promise you this year I won't be sitting in it. <laughs> that's hey, where you I'll, need. That's where you need a tree stand saddle. Hey, I already got one. Man, this I don't need a tree stand or a saddle. I don't think that would help that situation. I think no, you should, hey, should hey, guess what? Down. You, you know that tree three foot or ten foot to the left that I was too lazy to put that stand in. That's yeah. where I'll be on my saddle. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. One last comment on trees. I don't know if you've ever seen it. There's a there's a picture of the story behind the picture is that. I think a French guy parked his bike, leaned against yeah. a tree, and went off, you know, to fight for the French in World War One. And obviously, he died. His parents, you know, left the bike there as a reminder. 
So a hundred years has gone past. And when you take a look at that, I mean, and that's not strapped. I know it's just leaning. That tree grew all the way around. It's just bike. touching the yeah. tree. Yeah. And that that's tree wild. grew all the way around that bike. It's a, it's actually a pretty powerful picture. When it's back to oh, but, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so absolutely. 15 years, that's nothing, man. I just put around a little bracket. Cause that there's, that's no fake. There's no way they could have faked that, man. That, that bike is in that tree. Yeah. I have yeah. seen that picture. Yeah. That's, that's, since I've never known the backstory until now. That's yeah. pretty awesome. We're going to have a, a trail camera stuck in a tree here pretty soon. If somebody doesn't go. <laughs> <laughs> if, any, if anybody's in the Tallahassee area, somehow contact us. I'll give you the coordinates. You can have it. Just go get we it. We just never went and got it. Yeah, no, we put it, I put it up the day before we left and never have gone back. It's been hey, out there for three or four if months. If it's on public, someone stole it anyways. No, no, <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Nobody no. steals anything in Tallahassee. No. I hey, think it, everyone I'm, just knows dude. everyone around there is so broke. Like, you can't just go steal somebody's. <laughs> like, dude, somebody will come somebody after you out there, man. Like, no, no I'm, I'm not going to get into hey, it. Hey, on, on that note right you there. You don't want to go Knowles. Hey, go Knowles for, yeah. for life, No, maybe. but seriously, if, if you're in the Tallahassee area, I honestly think that I felt... When I put that camera up, I felt the best I've ever felt about putting. I've the heard camera. about this damn trail camera so many times. He's like, "It's got if you it's got saw giants what I on went it. through." Like, it, no, like I had a buddy with me. He's much smaller guy, and him and I are crawling, like literally crawling, and barely being able to make it through this stuff. So good luck if you are going to get that camera. But man, I would have walked right through there, no problem. No, if you were I'm crawling, I'm you. good. Dude, it was it, we were crawling because it was like it, it was the most it was the thickest stuff I've, I've ever been through. Yeah, like it's a trail game geocache. Yeah, but it's on a it's on a line that that's where all the buck were coming from, and I was hunting the base kind of where they would start splitting off. But they can't that if they go anywhere to the right, it's going to be a huge field, and with all the dogs, they're not going out there. And if they go to the left, it's basically a park. So they're coming down that line and then going and meeting these doe, basically. So, hey, jokes on them. Me and you and Why are going to hunt it in January. Yeah, that would we need Let's to do it because we have that other group going out there that we want to go film, which I'm going to try to do before, like the like I'm trying to get them Friday and then so I can go hunt on Saturday and Sunday. Let's but, do it. Yeah, yeah. We haven't been able to. I mean, we got to go to the still hunt area though. Still hunt is yeah, insane. Yeah, dogs. I mean. Not only like you got to deal with the dog. I mean, I've had ATV a dozen, a m- many more than a dozen hunts blown up by dogs. I mean, where I've like tracked because I mean in in the Apalachicola National Forest, like it's so much. It's like five hundred thousand some odd square or uh, square miles. So it's huge. So like you can get as deep as you want to get, and I've I've I, I'm very. Like, I mean, Van said earlier in the podcast, like, we're very competitive. Like, I'm like, all right, this guy went that deep. Like, I'm going deep. Like, I want to go, I want to go four miles deep. I want to get as far back as I can. This is where the bucks are going to be. And then you'll get back there. It'll take, like, you know, you got there like 3 a.m. or something. It takes a couple hours. You finally get back there. It's just light. And you got a pack of dogs going by. And you're just like, you know, that's one of those things that, to our listeners well outside the southeast that's actually a, a really common thing amongst florida georgia alabama south carolina uh louisiana mississippi those areas running deer with dogs is it's religion oh absolutely 100 like, i got mean, nothing bad to say about it i'll say if, no, you've, no, never, no, if hey. you've never done it 
dude, you are messing hey, out. That's what I was about to say. I say because if you're, if you're running dogs, it sucks. If you're up. not running dogs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it takes a redneck's two favorite sports, hunting and NASCAR, and it mashes them into one. <laughs> All right, and Here then we go, you boys. Can, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're on a race. Exactly. Yeah, it was born in Tallahassee. I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah those guys, boy. Like if you're just driving on the roads and you don't have dog cages in the back, they're just all just looking at you. Like, what is he doing? Yeah, like, like you don't hunt. Yeah, yeah. Idiot. What is he doing? <laughs> dude, that's the way it is right here in Lake County. As soon as I mean, it don't even take gun season. I've as, already seen the dang yeah. dog boxes yeah. in the soon back. As soon as bow season yeah. hits, boom, there's dog boxes. They're like, hey, we're, we're ready, getting ready, so ready to run Tw- them dogs. Twenty twenty, yeah. I was out. Um, I was out on Christmas morning, and. Um, <laughs> I was out and I'm. I had. I got blown up twice, two different times by dogs. And I go, you know what? And, you know, it's not meant to be on Christmas, whatever. And I, I'm walking out and there's like on a main trail, and I look over. There's an F two fifty, and sitting in the F two fifty is a full family. All wearing Santa Claus hats, running dogs, <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "God, this is this is different." Now listen, we <laughs> had so we hunted in Southeast Georgia. We had a dog club that surrounded us on on all uh, three of our four sides of our, our lease. Those guys had like eleven thousand acres they ran dogs on. Good lord, that's a and, and there was like, I want to say there's twenty or thirty guys that hunted on that place, and that's where we had our camper at was in their in their camp area. Those guys, it's not like they, they, they. Nick ran the Nick, the guy that ran the lease, ran a tight ship. Man, they killed a damn twelve point in front of dogs. There was no, you don't shoot the person that's brown. It better be an eight point. Really? Oh yeah. No, My he dad. ran a tight ship, man, and he they killed some damn fine deer every year in front of dogs. My dad hunted some places in South Carolina that were like that. They no. were like, if you didn't, if it wasn't an eight point or better, and you shot it, like nobody was like, you know, on your case. But it was like, dude, what are you oh doing? no, if you were at Nick's like, place, what are you you're, doing? You're paying fines. Oh dang, no, yes, no, no. Like that's, that. that's very different from yeah, at least in in the ties. But area you're, where you you're find talking, a lot of, you're talking guys running dogs on public land versus guys running dogs on yeah. private. Well, they're running, they're leaves, running dogs yeah. to eat. Yeah, I met a lot of guys out there, and I spent a lot of time out there whether it was fishing or um or hunting or just being i just like being in the woods I right mean, but and just talk i like talking to people and a lot of guys would the red meat they eat is is venison yeah other than that it. they're not they don't they're not going to get they're well, not going you to know, the grocery store the big yeah. difference in running dogs in georgia versus running dogs in florida is in georgia those guys would shoot the piss out of those because you can. Well, you can shoot you ten. Ten does a year yeah. in Georgia. Yeah, that's that's crazy. You can't. You, basically, doe season in Tallahassee is 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 bow season. Right. And you have two weekends. But other than that, like, the population of doe in Tallahassee, if you can yeah. get up there in late late October when season starts throughout kind of basically all of November, you can put a hurting on doe. Oh yeah, just so just, many. Just, you'll see one buck with fifteen. Does. But that's a whole, that's a whole that state area, of Georgia. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. that's the same as the Ocala National Forest. I mean, right here we're thirty minutes from it. There's forty thousand acres of public land, and just a complete assload of does. And I think everyone in Tallahassee would agree they they need a little bit longer of a doe season. Like there's genuinely like nearly too many. I would say anybody in Florida could agree with yeah, you. Yeah, I think Florida. I don't know. 
Except I don't for the know enough about the that's rules. A, that's, that's a whole. Yeah. That's a yeah. whole different Listen, podcast. There, yeah. There, yeah, I, I was don't know enough say, about it to even. There, start there's on a it. lot of stuff in Florida where the hunters and the biologists. Are so I, I'll pages. tell you this. Yeah, Florida it breaks everything down. You have state rules for private land, and you, each wildlife management area or state forest has its own set of rules, and is, as it rightfully should, because we have uh, different populations of deer throughout the entire state. Yep. Right. So they're all managed differently for the herd that is in that specific area. So the rules seem kind of crazy and hectic and hard to understand until you look at it that way. You got to understand when you go to the Everglades, you're hunting a whole different herd of deer than you're hunting in Tallahassee. Right. Mm-hmm. They are completely 110% different. They rut different. They, they, everything is different about the deer down south than they are in North Florida. So every wildlife management area has to be managed on its own according to the population of deer it has. So we have to have a subset of rules for each wildlife management area or national forest or state forest or whatever that we can hunt on. Yep. It's not as easy as the state of Georgia where the majority of the state is agriculture and the deer are vastly for much of the entire state the same. You go to Tennessee and the the rules in East Tennessee are vastly different than the rules in Central and West Tennessee. East Tennessee, you can kill like two does and two bucks. West Tennessee, Central and West Tennessee, you can kill two does a day <laughs> for the entire season. Jeez. And there's a two-week-long extended season after deer season ends that you can still kill does. That's great. Now, do you when, think or know... Sorry. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, do you think or know that these... Uh, the biologist or who whoever whomever is is making the rules per um wma is looking at the i guess like the more of the style of hunters that are hunting there meaning like if, when you go to tallahassee there's far 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 less bow hunters than dog hunters and you can really for the most gun. part only or gun we we basically just call them dogs because mostly everybody's yeah. running dogs but when you can only kill doe mainly during bow season versus buck which you can kill basically a two-point for five months of the year so the buck or yeah yeah the buck it's got to be a 10 inch is it a 10 inch main beam up there too i think it's two or four something like that i mean you can literally could just kill a spike it's basically a a button buck like it's like it's i think it's like i think it might be two it might be two inches it's i I don't want to pass on a spike last year i mean as far as i knew the the State of Florida, for the the most part, was ten inch main beam or no. or no. D one, which is where where we were hunting is D, uh, zone D one. It's I believe it's uh it needs to be during, I mean obviously during like we call it doe season, but it's antlerless deer season. You can kill anything, and then um, during uh, like the regular like gun season, uh, any other season basically, you can shoot. Uh, I think it's four point. No, um, it's it's two. It's something very similar. No, I'm saying two points. It has one antler with two points, with one point being longer than I think four inches. So it would be it would be two. You would have two a antlers, three point. Right? You'd never look at it and go, "I should shoot that buck." That's how I small can, of a buck you can shoot. I, can I, can tell you. I called them and talked to them over the phone to make sure what I was reading was correct. <laughs> so the, this is not just specific to deer, and. You have to modify a little bit because sometimes politics comes in. Um, there was a period where I'd spent a fair amount of time chatting with biologists at FWC. And when you take a look at 
Florida's deer management plan will already hit that on the money that they have to try to come up with um, plans that will work for specific areas because some deer have some places have more deer than others, etc. But even the way that they described deer, and this this also is apropos, like if you ever kind of worry about fish limits and things like that, we had a whole bunch of things coming into play. The places, there are places where deer are thick Mm -hmm. and they know that, right? But the thing is, is everybody knows that. So if they adjust the season, because everybody's like, well, all deer over there. Well, everybody knows there's deer over there. And Uh, if they adjust it and everybody, it's like everybody could take another deer. Well, pretty soon there's not as many deer. Yeah. And one of the things that they're trying to do is manage that herd. And and you have to factor in there's traffic patterns because believe it or not, even like auto insurance companies play into it. Because yeah, the damage. Yeah, I mean things like that. So th- there's a gazillion moving parts, but in the end, um, I don't believe that the biologists, you know, and say that it's like a big stereotype. There's there's not millions of them, right? But I, I find that in my interactions, I never got the feeling with any of them they are opposed to hunting. In fact, to the contrary, they all state it's a pretty damn useful tool. Yeah. Right. Um, and you'll even see things. This isn't just for deer, but like places like Georgia where you can kill 10 does, they're, they're actually trying to maintain or reduce the herd. Mm. And then hunters get angry like, oh, they, they killed too many does. They're trying to, the, the herd's reducing. They're, that's intentional. Yeah. And when the herd gets to where they want it to be, you won't be able to kill 10 does. Right? But it's been that way for a long time. And I don't know, man. I've been hunting up there for a long time, whacking does off our lease. And I keep thinking we're going to kill them all. There's still more. Yeah. I don't know. It right? used to be so, what two bucks and three does. Yeah. Right. So and then, and then a lot of yeah no. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I'm I clued in. At one point we were child. It used to be yeah, two was... do, two bucks and three does, and then you know a lot of people want to blame oh the insurance agencies want to cut down the the deer on car collisions. You talk Jim about just that, said right? that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but that that is a part of it. But that yeah. That I mean, they're not just saying oh we're going to throw science out the door and all uh, and 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 and. Uh, the different ways that they count deer and just say, we're just going to wipe them out. That's just not the case. Cause let's face it. We already demonstrated at the early 20, in the early part of the 20th century or 19th to 20th century, that if we want to make them go away, we make them go away. Yeah. Absolutely. Like that wouldn't even be, well, people would just hunt year round. And I, again, no. I hope I didn't come off. Like, I, I no, 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 not at all. Truth. I don't know nearly enough about it to have a opinion on it. Now, if you want to ask me about some ropes or some carabiners, <laughs> oh, man, I can tell you anything you want to know. But I, I will tell you. I'm this. not a biologist, and and I'm parroting what I've been told. And who knows if we were really parroting accurately? Because sometimes you don't you hear things, but you don't necessarily hear the message intended. But by and large, I don't feel at all that. I mean, they're they are they're trying to make, they're stuck in the middle. Yeah, and everybody likes to scream at FWC. But when you kind of really take a look at it, and let's just say that they're not perfect, but I don't think there's somebody has to be the somebody mm-hmm. has to be in charge because there's enough there are enough bad actors that if there wasn't somebody trying to do their best, we would kill them all. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And yeah. I think I do think they have a fantastic hold on the fishing though, yeah. like fishing wise. Like, well, it, it's it's just like when we were um, up in Massachusetts, like we were talking to people, and it's it's. It's just different down here. Like the like fishing, like to like fishing down here is is truly religious. Like you're, we're the sport fish capital of the world. Yeah. Like when it comes to yeah. bass fishing or freshwater fishing, like I always like whenever people ask about it, like the culture, I'll be like, if you're holding a pole, you're legal. 
Mm-hmm. Like I've ne- I've fished a lot in my life. Freshwater. I've never been a- been asked for a license. That is Ever. freshwater though. Yeah, freshwater. saltwater. Saltwater. They're serious, but in terms of freshwater, if you if I saw somebody walking down the side of our house and he was holding a fishing pole, I'd be like, hmm. Well, I hope he catches one. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be as nearly as big of a deal. If someone's just standing there with no fishing pole, now I'm going to be a little worried. I'm going to be like, what's he doing? What's what's going on? What's he looking at? What's he going for? If he's holding a fishing pole, well, I know what he's going for. He's going for a 10-younder. But, you know, it's just different. But it's not the same up north. But with deer up north, any pretty much anywhere north of, you know, Florida, they feel the same about deer as we feel about fishing well, down here. If, if you look at the population of Massachusetts, population of New York, population of all those northern states, what's happening to it? Which direction is the population? They're coming decreasing. to Florida. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. either decreasing or staying the same. We're between between births exceeding deaths and people moving down here and then or moving up here, depending on where you're coming from. We're roughly we're just short of three hundred thousand people a year. So let's say that every four years we're adding a million people, right? So that's every four years. So in thirty years or forty years, you've added forty million people. Well, so go back to fishing or hunting or anything. There's there's not more fish and there's not more deer, but the number of people chasing fish has probably increased four, five, six, who knows, maybe tenfold. So when people say, ah, you used to be able to catch 10 trout, now you can only keep three. Well, that's because you've got five times many people chasing them. Yeah. So that, you actually, we you have just, to cut the limit, right? Yeah, and that's not sure. including pollution and anything else or... It makes sense. Yeah. Right. Oh, it definitely and does. It's yeah. a good time to say we're full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go back. I wish home. we could. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I will. Uh, my bad. But um, I will say just like, just from, I like, I, I hope we didn't come off as if we were saying like, we should be able to kill more deer. You know what I mean? Like the, that's not exactly what we're saying. We're saying in, in our personal experience, we see one buck with 15 does. Or ten does, yeah. or eight does, and usually, it, it, like it's not just one time. It's all it's every time. Like on occasion, you'll see a buck or two bucks or three bucks. But like I'm talking like every day for days on end for a week straight, you'll see one buck in a harem of does, and it's just like all right. Well, you know, if you watch any video on YouTube, you're not really seeing that nearly as much in other states. And I talk to people that hunt in other states, and they're not seeing that nearly as much. So, obviously, a biologist knows a whole lot more than I do. But just from that one little plot I was sitting in, I'm from my experience, I would say, like, man, there's a ton of does and not as many bucks. I think I'm well, also just a bit salty. I mean, there's so <laughs> many does and oh, I can't kill one. But it, you know, when, they're just smart. <laughs> when it boils down to it, it's it's not a question of why. It's a question of why, or it's not a question of why not. It's a question of why, right? You're not saying why can I not kill more does. You're saying why are we only allowed to kill this? Right? Or why you, is the season in such a weird? I guess it would be more why is the season so like it's on basically only bow season, which there's basically no bow hunters. You're not looking for trying to grow the herd. Yeah, well, I, I guess, guess what I'm saying is you're not looking for permission. You're looking for an answer. Yeah, right. yeah, I would say so. And that's again, that's only for that specific area in north florida uh um, it, it reaches yeah. far far beyond the section of north florida like you know we yeah. talked about earlier it's in ocala too we see it there and yeah. you know areas around us 
And they do allow, you know, Jordan's got doe tags for hunts, Rock Springs. And Jim's got doe tags, right? You got doe tags? Yeah, for Seminole Forest. And uh, Alex, then you are, you are obviously my official invited guest. I'm going to come shoot the first doe that walks out. I'm inviting <laughs> William so Jim doesn't shoot my damn doe. I've already done that. <laughs> I, I actually wanted what you said about it, um, people moving down here. But reminded me of something I wanted to touch on was like uh, when we went to Massachusetts, for example, I hadn't heard this until then. And I'm kind of wondering if you guys have is um, like for them, if it's not posted private property, they're allowed to go on there and hunt it. And they say it's because there's so many people that aren't there during the winter because they've come down here for the summer or for our winter and they just get to walk on a property. And like for, us we've grown up in florida we live in florida and we've never really been anywhere else other than florida i just wouldn't feel comfortable even if it's not posted walking on that property there's parts of maine where you don't even need permission you see turkeys in a guy's field go get them yeah, yeah. that's my so don't ever listen to this and and come down to florida and do that ever. so no it doesn't work I, that way that here. is a <laughs> horrible idea i have a uh florida has I've never heard that you could be able to do that in Florida, but Florida has a, uh, not that I, uh, suggest that other people should do this. I will. (laughs) Um, Florida has a thin line that you can walk, which is our high water mark. So if you can go say St. John's river, have a lawyer on retainer before you yeah. have a please a retainer a have a lawyer in the boat dude yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. what are you uh, talking about technically within the state of florida you can hunt within the high water mark most so if places you, if you go on the st john's and you pull up on the bank somewhere you can walk within the high water mark and hunt Yes, but then so if you, that if is you in, 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 a, in a gray, very gray spectrum. Yeah, that is you can hunt that, but it, that that also so Florida also has where like officer discretion, right? So if the officer thinks that you're trespassing, yeah, he could uh, really tear so, you new. So I'm saying this, dude, you're not gonna get there, dude. Saturday, the guy who has that beach is gonna shoot you before an officer. St. John's, you'll never find somebody that's gonna <laughs> know that you're on their property. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to try to write an article about this, so I called. I mean, it, what he's referring to is submerged sovereign land. Yep, and it certainly does exist, and he's absolutely right. You can hunt it, and it's legal. I've done it. Um, um, one of the things that's challenging is that. I'm a little loose on this. That line of demarcation is based on an average. So it literally, it's not like, well, oh, you just, this is the line. It literally moves every year. And I, I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I'm not trying to. I called an FWC officer who, and they referred me and they got me to the right woman. And she was fantastic. When I came right down to it, I said, well, wait, how is it determined? And she goes, a lot of times it's actually determined in a courtroom. In other words, that's when they sit there and they do the data and they look at the floodlines and everything else and they'll work it out because it's, it's not just for hunting, mm-hmm. right? It's for other things with a submerged. So it's, it's determined during litigation that boom, that, yeah, that's where it is. You're right. You're wrong. Right. So if you're going to go hunt the submerged sovereign, uh, I would be cautious on that. And, and, and if, if, if a landowner who owns the land asks you to leave, 
even if you're in the right, you're probably, you just want to avoid a lot of hassle. You probably ought to leave because as Jordan just said, if the FWC officer comes out there and he takes a look and he says, I think you're out of bounds. You can argue with him, but it's not, it's, he can still ticket you or fine you or arrest you, whatever needs to happen because it's not his job to determine whether you're right or right. That's what the courts do. But either way, even if you win, you're going to lose because it's expensive. And, and but I've hunted it also successfully. Though, if you hunt that area, right, and you were to shoot a, a deer and that were to run past the watermark line or the sovereign area and it goes on to the guy's like actual like, you know, property, air quotes, that would you would then have to go get permission, basically, right? right? So it's fine line there, right? I mean, at I'm that not point, sure how, I would probably leave my weapon is. behind. Yeah, absolutely. And I would walk on that absolutely. way. I would go home, if I'm, if change I'm trespassing, well, I would I would stay in what I'm in, but that way, if I'm caught trespassing, yeah. I'm not armed trespassing. Yeah, right? felony trespass. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I mean, this is recorded on September 27th. Ian, Hurricane Ian is supposed to hit either you know tomorrow, tomorrow or to the next day. So Saturday would be a great day to go out and take photos for the high water line. Uh, it's an average. <laughs> yeah. but that average is moving up, baby. That average, especially you in the West Coast, that average is moving way up. <laughs> so is still can't hunt Peace River though. How, yeah. how far? Like, this is the first time I've heard about this. How how far from like is the typical average water line? Like how you, you know it, it can it can be a mile. Really? It's yeah. it's it's. Oh, the, wow. yeah, I mean, okay. you look at the. It's some average on. It's like the average of the hundred year flood or something. You like. go it's down the Swanee year River. High water mark, the yeah. Swanee River. It, it, you stand in places where you're like, oh man, the water was forty seven feet over my head at this point, and I'm standing on dry ground. On this the is this River? is why you come to the Under Pressure Outdoors podcast because you will learn something. I've <laughs> never been in this room property. and not learned something. <laughs> Listen, yeah. the most the most said uh. thing I think I heard on the Swanee River trip last year was, "Look at that high water mark." Yeah, <laughs> that was the thing you heard. Through You're the, hunting 500 the, acres right here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, you, you, I tell you, we've line. seen deer on the Shawnee River when we've canoed and kayaked it. Um, they're, they're almost like goats, right? Because you, you've got, you might have in some places 40, 30, 40 feet of relief off the water. Oh, yeah. If the water's low and it's pretty damn steep, but then there'll be benches. Oh yeah, the and night you're we down there and, and there'll be deer resting on those benches because you know they can see every, nothing's going to come from below, and realistically, nothing's really going to get to them from up high. But you, and you'll watch, and if you get a little too close, then they do, man. It's kind of impressive to see a whitetail go straight up a cliff. the The night we the night we paddled past the last camp and camped on the bank, we were thirty feet above the river. Yeah, we climbed up an embankment and camped thirty feet above the river. Yeah, that's, that's, easy that's awesome. This is now. This is, I've never even, this is mind blowing. <laughs> but before we dive way off into a whole nother podcast, <clears throat> we gotta, we gotta go ahead and cut this one short and get into the tip of the week. Now, Van and Wyatt, I know we did not warn you guys about this. You should probably start doing that because every week, I know, oh, I, I forgot I to warn you, but it's, it's good though. <laughs> surprise! Yeah. Catch by surprise. I got one. I do too, actually. Me too. Okay. So you want to warn first? them? Warn them first. Okay. So the tip of the week, you, you give something that's uh hunting, fishing, outdoors related. I got right, one. So, or, yeah, not, go ahead. God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking. He yeah. So, uh, my tip of the week is uh, with the hurricane coming, I have. Well, it's already gone. Well, yeah. But as we speak, it's coming, right? I have three different freezers in my house. I have taken those three freezers and consolidated them into one because if I, I will 
lose power, I know that at that point, I only have to power one freezer to keep all your mounts and shit, because you don't keep them at your house. <laughs> you had a bigger freezer than I did, used to. Yeah, now I have the same size. But three of them. <laughs> Two of them. Yeah. Uh, so I've consolidated all my ducks, William's deer, William's gator head, all my deer meat, my duck meat, frog, squirrel, everything, into one freezer. That way, if I lose power, all I have to do is power one freezer. I could give less of a shit about what's in the fridges. I'll I'll rebuy that. But my deer meat, <laughs> yeah. I'm not losing that. Or my mounts. I'm not losing any of that stuff. So it's all in one freezer. I've consolidated everything. That Even if I can't power that freezer right away, it's all still tightly packed. It's all frozen, so it's going to stay longer. So we talked about this kind of at the beginning of the podcast. And uh, we talked about, you know, the fall rating of a, a, a safety harness, right? Um, when you are putting on a safety harness and you're hunting up a tree stand, in reality, you know, if you don't know this, if you fall out of a tree stand and you're hanging in a safety harness, your time is limited. You will die in a safety harness because it cuts off. It's, it's not meant for you to hang in until somebody finds you. It's meant to save you from falling to the ground, right? It'll cut off circulation. You will die in a safety harness. You should be hanging your tether high enough above your tree stand that if you fall out, you can then step back onto the platform you fell from. So hang that high enough. I mean, I hang mine high enough when I hunt out of a climber that I can stand up and lean out and hang from that sucker standing in the climber. It should almost be taunt when you sit down. You should be able to stand up. If you fall, you should be able to step back onto your platform and stand back up. So hang that sucker high enough that it's not going to kill you if you fall. I could, can I if you're actually, in a saddle, it's already that high. Can I add on to that, though? Go ahead. Um, yeah. There's like a, if you aren't like sure what you were saying, basically, what you can also do is carry like a, a light second um, tether or, or lineman's or, or whatever it is, make sure it's on your body or like attached to your harness of some sort. And if you were to fall past it and you need to take a relief off of the pressure getting cut off, you can tie that around the tree as you would a regular tether and then use it as a foot loop and basically step back up yeah. and use that a way to climb back up. So like, I'm not trying to pr- product plug here, but we have something called like a ultra light tether. You're, you're more than welcome to product plug. Yeah. Anything you want <laughs> but product it's, plug like, it's just made with six millimeter TRC. You can fit it in your pocket and that could save your life. Like I'm not, you can use anything. I mean, you could literally probably not recommending this, but you could probably use paracord. You know, something that you can put in your stuff, pocket. Yeah. So that's not my tip, but I just wanted to add on. <laughs> well, to what's that. your tip? I want to benefit your tip. So, or add on to your tip. My tip, um, touch back on what we said earlier. Um, if you're an experienced hunter, uh, intermediate hunter, a beginner hunter, uh, have the most mobile setup or have at least a mobile setup in your lineup that you feel comfortable with. I think that would greatly benefit anyone um, that hunts or is looking to get into hunting. Absolutely. Jim, Wyatt, Hunter, who wants to go next? I will. So my tip of the week, cook a tip. Good talk. Venison shanks since now is the season. And for a couple of years, venison shanks have kind of been a little bit of the cooking rage and it's been Asabuco and Braza. And I'm going to go the other direction, man. You want to talk about 
just absolutely juicy, silky, like, oh my God, one of the best meals you'll ever have. It's real simple, man. Do not, do not put your shanks in the gut pile or in the, in the grind pile. Take them off and just take a hacksaw when you're ready to cook them. You can freeze them whole, but when you're ready to pull them out frozen and right where the, you know, the most of the meat from the shank, you know, the calf muscle essentially, right? It kind of comes to an end. You can see where that is. Lop it off there. Cut that bone right off there. And then at the other end where it's kind of more of a knob, cut that knob off, trim it up, make it look pretty. And the reason you want to do that and you want to, you want to make sure that any tendons and tendons are there is for step two. All you're going to do is get your slow cooker out, put it on low, cover it in beef broth up about three quarters of the way and just leave it alone for eight hours. But the reason they want you to make sure you sever all those little tendons to make sure, because otherwise it'll pull it apart. So this is purely presentation. If you mess this part up, it doesn't change taste at all. But what you essentially have now is the venison version of a turkey drumstick. You have a lollipop, right? And all that sinewy stuff and all that stuff that makes the shank so brutally tough has now just turned into gelatin, right? And if you've ever gone to a fancy restaurant and had like lamb shank, that's exactly what they're doing, right? So you put that on little potatoes, serve a little mint jelly, or one of my new favorites is jalapeno pepper jelly, red jalapeno pepper jelly. They sell it at Publix. Um, it is... Super simple, super easy. You can't screw it up. As I said, you do the cutting. Even if you don't want to cut it, just put the whole damn bone in the slow cooker and let it go for eight hours in some stock or some broth. And that will be uh, if that, that will be one of the best venison meals you'll ever have. Say so if you were fortunate enough to be in the Under Pressure Outdoor studio when Jim brought some venison <laughs> shank in here. That was fancy venison shank. Oh, it was delicious. I, I, think that, I actually think this is superior. It's easier and it's just... It's nothing but shank. Listen, if you were in the podcast tonight, by God, and you didn't eat enough food to just absolutely there, stuff you, that was your own stupidity, you, okay? Because we you, had, what, what did we have? We venison tartare. Venison tartare. We had bluefish dip. We had, I'm Deep sorry, fried Jim, what, wood was the, what was the soup? That or, was uh, makeka. It's makeka. a It's a Brazilian, like in a, the base is obviously fish. Yeah. But the, the stock is... In this case, chicken stock and coconut milk. It was fantastic. And then the rest is, um, it's a red bell pepper, two habaneros, seeds out. See, I didn't want to blow anybody out here. Yeah. But you can leave a seed in. It's really it good. It was fire. Yeah. It was so good. But you, you don't forget the venison tartare. That was gas. That was the best. That was <laughs> it's going to be gas later, ever. but yeah. That, that was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. It's I definitely going to be gas later. My yeah, wife yeah. will be hating that. My fiance will love me when I get home. <laughs> I will. Sh- it's a really simple Dutch recipe. oven. Here you come. I would hope so. <laughs> I will. Uh, I will share that on the Under Pressure Outdoors Nation. I'll put the whole. Thing. I'll put the whole thing out there. Love yeah, that. absolutely. Love that. My, All right, uh, my tip of the week is. Don't be afraid to try something new. Okay. I've I've been the guy that hunts out of a lock on because it's air quotes mobile. Let me tell you, get you a saddle and three sticks and I mean get you a hang free saddle, but if if you need to, I guess you can get something else, but you're gonna pay an arm and a leg. But you don't need to because you can order them online. It's not like you gotta go to a store to buy them. No, literally. Right. You you go hop on their website, order one. I'm telling you, you will not regret it because I I got one. I love it. 
and I don't see myself going back to a lock-on, but I'm telling you, be mobile. We're, we're going to start mobile, paying you. It, <laughs> yeah. Hey, you don't have Listen. to. I'm, I'm, here for, I'm here for the long haul, man. That, I, I, I believe in the product genuinely. Like, I wouldn't... You guys have had me on the podcast multiple times, and I've never just thrown out products like that because I... It is what it is. I only use stuff that I like. I only use stuff that works. And I've used it now, and I'm to the point where I, I, don't, I don't think I can go step, I'll tell you right sit now, back in a lock-on. If you're not in one, you'll be jealous of your buddy that is. Yeah. Ask Jordan. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a good, that's a good slogan, dude. Yeah. <laughs> your buddy's got one. You need one. <laughs> your buddy's got one. That's a great slogan. I'm gonna write that down. <laughs> you might see that. You might see that on the ad. But no, I'm seriously. telling you, you I would go jealous ahead and, and shit uh, up, Hunter. You you can go ahead and prorate us on that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm serious, dude. Like, just just be. Don't close off opportunity to new things that come in the industry. Like you might think it's a fad, right? Oh, it's a I fad. Did. It's a fad, right? <laughs> oh, that, that's gonna burn out. Until you try it, you never really know. So just try it out. If you, if, like I said, it's not for everybody. But if it's for you and you and you're like me, you jump in one, you get in one, and you like it. It might change the whole way you hunt. You, you're gonna be more mobile. You're gonna be able to do things that you couldn't do with a lock on. And like I said, I'm I'm not trying to pro, uh, throw products out there, but <laughs> it's it's a good thing to have in your repertoire for sure. Uh, saddle hunting is not a fad, and either it's a six five Creedmoor. You can just get over it. <laughs> no, yeah. shoot a shoot a three hundred eight. Creedmoor might be a just, fad, but no, just know how to use what you got. Yeah, use it right. Guess what? Everything's effective. If it was a fad, that would lead people to think that it's actually ineffective and uncomfortable to do, and people are just doing it to look cool. But okay, once you get your selfie, you're kind of listen. Listen, it it works or it doesn't. There's too many people out there going, "Well, if you don't just just shoot a two forty three, I'm like, well, or a seven millimeter weight. I'm talking, you're talking a half a millimeter difference both directions. All right. If you're telling me you can't, you can't kill a deer with a six five. Well then, go talk to those people that are killing deer with longbows. Go, go talk to the guy, the Jordan Krebs, who's blood trailed. How many deers that I've killed that you've had to? I mean, I, 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 I we say didn't quote have unquote to. blood trailed the deer. Yeah. We blood pathed it. Yeah. <laughs> hey Wyatt, do you know how you, you know how you can tell if somebody shoots a six five? They talk about it all the time. Oh, exactly. <laughs> Just like vegans. I'll sh- I'll show you mine when we're done. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll take a look at it. <laughs> I just talked to a guy earlier this week. He, he shooting deer with the air gun. Hey, you know yeah, what? You got to do that if you're a felon. Hey, so. does it Somebody's out there. <laughs> you know what? We have, we have a guy that comes to our stuff. We have a guy that comes to our stuff that is a young man. He made some mistakes, man. He owns them. Yeah. And that guy is hardcore. Um, he's been he's jam up, man. He 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 hunts with he's their guns. Jammed he, up is he, what he is. No, no, no. The this, man. Is a, this is a good dude, man. But he just got he just got like a, an air shotgun and, and an air rifle. I mean, you, you can't beat the guy who hunts in tiger stripe. Yeah, no. If the dude walks he does. up in tiger stripe, he does. I'm a no, he does. He does. Yeah, the guy that uses his air rifle hunts in tiger stripe camo. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. You're I right. wouldn't mess with him. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I respect him immediately. I misunderstood what you were saying at first. I thought you were cracking. I'm like, no, no, no. He no, hunts no, in right. tiger stripe camouflage. That that is he does one of the greatest patterns to ever exist. Can't change my mind. Yeah, well, that's a good dude, man. And uh, it, like I said, he's and I wholly, you know, understand why. And you, you, you pay you pay you 
You made your mistake. You own it. You pay your price. Yeah. So, Wyatt, what do you got? Well, I wrote them down while y'all were talking, so I could remember. But <laughs> my, I got two actually. Yeah, first time on the podcast, I'm overstepping. But my first one would be buy a good quality knife. Mm. Yeah, you'll you'll literally, I, in my experience at least, you'll never say, "Man, I wish I hadn't bought such a good knife." I've never heard anybody say it actually, unless you lose it. It is, it is it's, it's a, you know, <laughs> well, I have to say, it is, it. it is a refreshing thing to hear somebody besides myself say to buy a quality knife. That that is. Yeah, I I strongly believe in that because at the end of the day, um, if you do fall out of your tree stand and you have your harness on and you forgot your other step that Van was talking about and you got a good knife, you can just cut yourself down. You'll break a leg, but you'll live. Yeah. You know, you can always you turn around knife. and shimmy. I guess like yeah. you can slide yeah. down a tree. Oh, I know. Sure. I've been there. That so that eight point sitting right there. All right. When I shot him with my bow, what are I got you talking about? Excited. That's a that's like a four point. The one that's upside, upside down. Don't, don't lie to nobody. No, no, that's a four. Yeah. So when I <laughs> shot that side. deer, <laughs> that was my first buck with the There's bow. No I got video. super excited, and I was climbing down, and I lost the bottom half of my climber, and I had to shimmy myself down the tree to get the bottom half and pick it up to go get the top half of the tree. That's, See, what, that makes, <laughs> that's what makes the top it half the climber. Yeah. Hey, the only time I've ever fallen not fallen even out of a tree i had shit so bad i'm not kidding i'm not kidding i unclipped i left my whole saddle in the tree just under the leg loop slipped it over my head made it down one one stick this is when i was still using a set of sticks and just jumped i i i I had to go. Like it didn't. Dude, how did you hit the ground and not just confident? <laughs> like a water balloon, confident. <laughs> <laughs> I hit that ground. I got over to the closest uh, branch. I lean against it. I check my phone. My buddy is 250 yards away. I swear to God, sends me a, a video of a bear and its cubs running, and based off of how I thought he set up. Like it was coming right for me, and this is like a bear and its cubs that I had had on camera at the spot I was hunting at almost every day, and they're running like full speed, and I'm thinking they're Break gonna the find me quick. Yeah. mauled <laughs> with a dirty butt, <laughs> just laying here in these goddamn Tallahassee woods. And I text him back, I'm like, "Is it coming my way?" He's like, "No, it's going the other way." I'm like. Good lord. Oh god. <laughs> but I had a quality knife, cut my underwear up. Quality knife, baby. <laughs> yeah, did the job. You used your, you're supposed to use your sock. Well, my sock, sock was in my boot that my pants were around. Oh, yeah. And my underwear that's right you, there. I was like, I'm taking That's why you need a good quality tail. knife. Yeah. Now, I do have one more that I think is very important and I think it's very important especially for the for the saddle hunting community in general because they are absolute gear junkies. And um, as most hunters are, in all honesty, but that one thing, that one tip of the week, my second one, but I would say more important than the first, is spectacular gear never beats perfect practice. Oh, hundred yeah. oh, yeah. percent. And I think I think tip that, of the year. I think that everybody needs to remember that. At the end of the day, you can buy whatever you want to buy. You can buy the best bow. You can or the best gun. You can buy the best saddle. You can buy the best stand best boots and it doesn't matter if you don't practice and if you get out there and you practice every single day you can wear blue jeans and a flannel and there, you have a better chance of killing a deer than if you have all the gear in the world you never practice yeah so if you can take one thing from anything i've ever said in my entire life take that one thing and I'd, i'll be okay Fact. i think that's perfect because there's Fact. a lot of guys that think that if they go buy the best of everything that they're good to go 
Yeah. That shit does not matter. And False. The, no. I kind of want to add to that. I'll make it quick. Um, in the beginning, we said like we started this because we were broke and we wanted to make our own gear. Still and broke. And, go yeah, ahead. Very, oh, yeah, yeah. 100%. But that's uh, one thing that I still like. I want to show guys that they don't have to go out and buy the nicest gear. So yeah, I do run a rope that is two dollars and twenty cents a foot. So that's my one expensive part of my my kit. But um, I, I don't use a Kong duck. Um, which is a mechanical ascender. It's gonna cost you sixty-five bucks. I did use one when I was with you, but I was filming. So, but <laughs> yeah. on my actual setup, the one I use, the one stick, I use a regular Prusik, no Prusik tender, nothing. And I just show guys that you're able to do it with, with without the, the air quotes nicest gear out there. You know, it, yeah, Kong Duck is easy. It's gonna make practice easier. It's gonna make you know get you to that point a lot faster. But you don't need it by any by any means. Well, before we let you guys go, how can everybody find Hang Free Saddles? You can search up hangfree.co. That is not .com. That's probably the most common uh, question we have. But uh, hangfree.co. That goes for uh, social media, goes for uh, everything but YouTube. YouTube is hangfreeco, no dot. So other than that, yeah, it's... Basically and we, we pretty much, I mean, we pretty much answered as fast. I mean, I, I mean, I, we've, I think you have as well, but I've had a guy call me at 3 a.m. I mean, I mean, like, we'll, we pretty much answer the phone anytime we answer messages or emails anytime. I mean, if you, if you're awake, we're probably awake working. We, we so. will answer as long as we're building and that's typically eight or 9 a.m. to about 1 a.m. That's our typical like build time. <laughs> so uh, guys will be like, what the heck is going on when I answer an email at 12 o'clock at night? But if you email in, you know, we'll email back. Or if you call in, we'll answer the phone if we're awake. And if we don't, we'll call you back. I've 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 just got, like I said, I just got a, a company with these guys. I've been with them for a couple of weeks now. But like I've already got phone calls about saddles. So <laughs> like literally got a random call out of a guy from out of Tampa last week. It was like, hey, man. I saw you tagged hang free on one of your posts, you know, could you kind of go into detail about like, you know, is it comfortable? Is it this? Is it that? And I was thinking, I'm like, how did this man get my number? (laughs) 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 But no, man, they're, like I said, they're, they're pretty good about it. So for sure. That's the other thing is like, uh, we have one of, if not, I don't want to say this is a fact because I'm not 100% positive. We have one of, if not the the largest um, saddle gear selection. Not saddle selection in particular, but saddle hunting gear selection. Well, 181 so, products, it says on your site. A lot of oh, mods. We got more I think now. we have more. In, and then that's variations just, as well. That's it, just in the all, I know because I set it up, but that's just in the all products category, which technically just the way that it's set up is just things that are made by hang free. So we have other things like um, carabiners and um, hardware and different, you know, plastic pieces and stuff like that um, that are made by other people. So they wouldn't technically be in that that all products category. But I think we actually have in the neighborhood of 350. No, so chances are, if you're listening to this podcast, you can go to hangfree.com, scroll through that page, .co, my mistake, hangfree.co, and uh, you're going to be like, oh, I need that. Yeah. And the thing, yeah. the thing was, I was going to say is, we we're not going to answer your email or phone call and and like lie to you about a gear like that. That particular item might not work for you. You might not like it. It might not fit your style. But we do have something that will. Like, 
Or like we I can said, make I mean, it. we have, yeah, we also will do custom items if, if we can or have materials on hand. Um, I'm actually working on two custom saddles right now that I've been working on for like two months. But either way, like, we're not going to sit there and lie to you about a product for you to buy it. We'll tell you what will work for what you're looking for since we probably already have it. Like, I, I just on that point, like, just to finish up, I, I know we're kind of droning on, but. Like one thing that I really, really, really dislike about companies just in general is if they they tell you what you want to hear just so they can make a buck. And I think we really don't abide by that. If if it means sending you to another company, if we think that that will work better for you, we will do it. Because at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, a hundred years from now, when, when people look back on us, we want people to say like they furthered the hunting industry they got people out in the tree they got people out in the woods they made hunting better that's like we, what, that's what, that's what yeah. it's about that's what we want people to remember us and if we say yeah yeah for sure dude buy this product from us man for yeah spend a couple hundred extra dollars yeah that's great and then they go out and it sucks for their style what are they gonna say about us Right, you know what I mean. No, so that how we don't want. Are we that. gonna feel? That? Yeah, it's That's like we don't feel me. good either. So that hundred dollars is not worth, or two dollars. It doesn't matter if it's a tender or if it's a Lyman's or if it's a one stick kit. If that's if we don't think that's gonna work for you, then we're not gonna sell it to you. We're not gonna tell you to buy it. Like we want everybody in the transaction to come away going, man, that was great. And if if that's the case through and through, then we're gonna have a great history of great experience and so will you so. i think you guys are only headed up from here and it's great 100 we are definitely going to provide you guys with plenty of links down in the podcast description so that you don't actually have to search for hangfreesaddle.co yeah it's a lot of stuff honestly so. just look up amsteel we'll pop up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it'll be down in the podcast description you guys can just listen and go man that sounds like great and you roll down in there and you just click on it and then ta-da so there you are Absolutely. If you're looking for some budget sticks, budget platform, shout out XOP. We're not paid by them. We don't have any affiliation <laughs> with them. Genuinely, they'll get you in the game for cheap, though. Seriously. Yeah, and, and solid, solid, solid stuff. Yeah, we've had some big boys jump on their platform. And uh, absolutely no wobble, no no nothing. So I mean, I'm a big boy, and I was on their platform, and it was pretty solid. Oh, let me tell you. You're not a big boy. Compared <laughs> to some of these big boys. All right. Let me seriously, we're not paid by them. Yeah, yeah, no, have no. Any affiliation. Seriously, no affiliation. They, they just have good gear for, for an affordable price. Like, solid. But so, I really appreciate you guys joining us this week. It's been great. And I uh, look forward to sending this one out there. Everybody listen to. Thanks for having us. And yeah. I uh, hope that all of our Florida brethren were safe through this storm. Yeah, I hope you guys made it through safe. Hold it down, boys. Listen to this Monday. God forbid we don't have power and I can't get it out, but it'll get out when it can. Yeah. We'll catch you guys. Adios. Peace.